Malzy, howdy, partners. Howdy. <laughs> Pull up a chair, get some whiskey into you. Hey, we've got to prove we've got whiskey. We've got to chink that. There you go, Ben. Just, go. Just, we'll just pretend Ben's got one. Yeah. <laughs> the whole bottle. <laughs> <laughs> Calm down, Ben. I'm just a, I'm a, I'm a dooted up egg-sucking gutter trap. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was going to say, if, if you feel like busting out a rendition of My Little Buttercup, um, just give me fair warning because I'll join in, mate. <laughs> Has the sweetest smile. I could have even sort of come in with raindrops keep falling on my head as a nice little intro, but um, I chose some tasty saloon music. Do, do, you, do you feel like you're in the mood, Ben? Well, we didn't hear the saloon music, so no. Fourth wall? Exactly. Fourth wall? He does it to me every week. <laughs> what? I'm supposed to wheel in a fucking piano yeah. and start... And Actually, I, yeah. could, I could envision that right now. <laughs> Here's yes, some, you should. Here's some trivia for you. Those saloon-style pianos are called tack pianos. Did you know that? They're ordinary upright pianos, and they've got thumbtacks or nails stuck to them to distort the sound. Oh, really? That's I didn't why know. they sound punchy and tinny mm. when they do that. I just like them when you go into like Sovereign Hill and stuff, and they've got them, and you it just you push one button, and <laughs> it all moves. But no one's actually playing it. So there you go. Some useless information to get us started. Welcome back, Malzy. Thank you. It's always great to have you on the show. Oh, it's good to be here, and always. You came dressed in theme. I did, I did. <laughs> I almost wasn't here, but um, I themed it up and I got here. <laughs> Amazing. Um, good Movie Monday. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another week. Um, we are the weekly podcast dedicated to nerdy cinematic ramblings. My name is Glenn Cochran, and the gutless yellow pie slinger over there <laughs> is Ben Howie. Hey, Ben, how are you? I'm just curious, what useful information do you think this show imparts? <laughs> <I wasn't... laughs> He continued on too quickly for me yeah, to go, yeah, yeah, yes, there'll be much more of that to come. Like, you literally, the banner of the show is nerdy cinematic ramblings. Like, there is, <laughs> there is nothing. <laughs> well, this is... Like, unless unless someone's going, like, entering a trivia competition, like, or a, tri- a trivia night or something like that, there is, n- on, on your day-to-day life, there is nothing that we impart that's going to help anyone. Lovers of movies would disagree. <laughs> And again, once again, we do have Malzi at the desk from the Melbourne Horror Film Society. Um, we're going to do things a little bit differently this week, Malzi, because we normally reserve your episodes for horror themes. Yes. But this week, we're, if they haven't guessed already, we're switching up the themes to no westerns. And that's simply because we got offered the opportunity to interview Thomas Jane and Richard Gray. Uh, they are the two guys um, involved with the new movie Murder at Yellowstone City. Richard Gray's the director. Thomas Jane's one of the stars. And I'm going to be talking to them a little bit about that. So it's not horror specific, but that's not to say there aren't horror westerns. No, there's actually quite a tie between the two. Let's drop some of those a bit later in the show and have a conversation about them. But let's also stay with horror for a moment because, as I said, you're from the Horror Film Society. Last couple of screenings, we had Tucker versus Dale, or Tucker, yeah. Dale versus Tucker, Evil, yeah. whichever way you want to cut it. <laughs> Tucker I mean, and Dale. Yeah, I mean, whichever yeah. way you put their names, yeah. they're versing, aren't they? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you almost screened the hand. We almost screened, but it kind of works out well because now we had to, um, so it was meant to be last Tuesday night, but we've had to postpone it to tomorrow. what will be tomorrow night. So you've got a chance to come along. So the hand tomorrow night, but 
if you miss that, then the actual July screening will be Idle Hands on Tuesday, July 26th. And they're at Long Play in Fitzroy North. Fantastic. And what's the website? MelbourneHorrorFilmSociety.org. And we are also on all the socials, uh, Melbourne Horror. And we also have a Discord channel. And this month we're going to be going back to lockdown time, but not officially. But during lockdown we started um, doing online watch parties and we're going to just randomly do another one of those this month at some point. Um, drag me to hell. Oh, awesome. Yeah, so. But how do, you, how do you get onto this? Yeah. <laughs> what is well, Discord? And why, why can't I just get on without having because, to talk to anyone? And I mean, that's the kind of thing your dad says when he's behind the TV. He goes, what is Discord? Yeah. <laughs> All you have to do is he's nuts. send us a message on any of our platforms, Facebook, you are, I know you follow us on all of yeah. them, so you know how to press the message button. And all you have to do is say, hey, guys, can I please get a link to your Discord channel and we'll send you the link and bang, you're in and the community's great and we do little things so like that. So you've got to invest a little bit of energy in this, Ben. That's t- why you're not on it. The tiniest of I just, tiny I just, bits of energy. Like, I, like I, to a degree, I understand that maybe you don't want to just have the link on the page so you can just click but it, it without having to talk to anyone. And it also changes as well. Oh, does yeah. it? It's, it's not, not a, a constant it's link? It's not, no. So... For the sh- for that for that particular mm. session, it's not a no. I think it's just like every seven days it updates. It updates. Yeah. It's, yeah. A, it's, it's a, just a Discord thing. It's a, a, <laughs> it's a Discord thing, Ben. <laughs> I'm so you gotta be I'm in so, the you gotta I'm be in so the club to know. All you gotta say it. is Discord Inferno, and Ben's there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I reckon we're um, doing disco westerns. <laughs> I'm down. Oh, fuck, yes, we should write one of those. <laughs> We're pretty much off and running, but no episode of Good Movie Monday could be complete without the uh, weekly shenanigans from our troupe. So coming up, we do have Guillermo Troncoso from Screen Realm, uh, we have, which is an online entertainment magazine that's been offline for the last few weeks. So it'll be interesting to see where they're at. Uh, and then also we have the guys from Kentucky Bonehead Weekly Podcast. That is Joe Lewis, Chad Jennings, and James Thomas. <clears throat> they're going to talk about Western movies as well. They're from where the West is. Like, Yeah. They are. The, they are the Kentuckians. Smack bang in the middle of it all. <laughs> So it'll be interesting to see how well, they go. One, one's not a Kentuckian anymore, is he? Oh, well, or are they all still Kentuckians? Or, yeah, well, if you're born or is one there. like a Missourian? Or <laughs> or a... <laughs> Expat, let's just say that. Yeah. <laughs> and then, of course, there's this bloke who comes to us from the same place Ben does, which is Monster Pictures and Monster Fest. Oh. This guy loves his... What, what were you going to say? <laughs> I thought you were going somewhere different with that. <laughs> uh, goes without saying, this guy loves his physical entertainment. And by physical entertainment, um, I, I mean 4K, Blu-ray, not so much DVD. Filthy, that. filthy DVD. <laughs> SD, let's, gross. Let's not talk about <laughs> yeah. VHS and all, all the others, but in other words, movies you can touch. Hey, this is Jarrett and welcome to PE Class. It's a huge week of releases this week and as such, as always, I'm only going to give you the highlights. So first up, I'm going to start with Roadshow and from the Warner catalogue, they're releasing the third instalment in the Fantastic Beasts franchise, The Secrets of Dumbledore. They're releasing this one on 4K, Blu-ray and DVD. Now the 4K and Blu-ray come with 12 featurettes and deleted scenes as special features. And also the 4K Ultra HD has Dolby fucking Atmos. Also from Roadshow from the Rialto catalogue is the film Hatching. If you haven't seen this one, I advise checking it out. We played it at Monsterfest Weekender recently and it was pretty much a crowd favourite. However, this one's only getting a DVD release. Then also out from Roadshow is The Drover's Wife, the Australian film. They're giving it a Blu-ray and DVD release. Next up is Indicator and they're digging deep 
deep into the Hollywood vaults to unleash a bunch of classics on Blu-ray, most of which are making their Blu-ray debut both locally and globally. The titles include A Night to Remember, Barabbas, The Long Ships, Julius Caesar, Damn the Defiant, and The Nelson Affair. Then we're going to dig right into the really good stuff. Umbrella Entertainment have a slate of huge releases this week, and they're all pure gold. First up is Ghoulies 1 and 2. They're releasing it in a two-disc Blu-ray double pack. And this isn't simply a rehash of the old Glass Doll release. No, they've loaded it with all that content and much more, including two TV cuts of the first film. Not to mention, it's got an attractive slipcover that pays homage to the original Roadshow home video VHS release. Next up is Dead Kids hitting Blu-ray. This is joining the Ausploitation Classics line, and again, this isn't simply a port of the out-of-print Glass Doll or Seven release. This edition has even more special feature content, including previously unreleased deleted scenes, and as always, it comes with an attractive slip cover and it actually has the original theatrical key artwork which was also present on the old VHS release too it's great artwork arguably better than the movie itself then next up from Umbrella they've got Hobo with a shotgun it's hitting blu-ray and again not a rehash of the old transmission films release that came out on DVD and blu-ray some time ago no this one's got all the special features as well as new art and as always the case with the beyond genres release it's got a slip cover on it too then last up from umbrella is the love witch this is finally making its local home entertainment debut and annabella's festival darling isn't coming out vanilla it's coming out loaded with special features a mega ton of special features if you will and it also includes billa's previous film viva as an added bonus on the limited edition second disc so it's been a hell of a week for releases what are you going to pick up i'm curious to know hit us up on the socials and tell us anyway that's it for me for this week so until next time stay physical great week of releases man and one mo movie that he didn't mention which is a western that's getting released is ghosts of the ozark with um can't go wrong with tim blake nelson and david arquette and angela bettis no mm, no we are doing i a prefer them to be in a wrestling movie <laughs> yeah. ready to rumble too <laughs> and of course we have the drover's wife the legend of molly johnson that's an aussie one that's quite interesting set in victoria's high country it's a Western week because then, again, Murder at Yellowstone City is hitting home entertainment this week. But most importantly, Ben, let's talk about the non-Western related release of Ghoulies 1 and 2. Hey, it's news to me that that's coming out this week. <laughs> Do you want to tell us a little about it? Uh, well, it's got Ghoulies 1 and 2. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry, Jared did most of the talking for you. Honestly, this is a bit of a passion project for you. Yeah, we did it. We did it with the, uh, we used the uh, original Roadshow VHS uh, artwork as the inspiration for the cover art on the two. We included some never before seen TV cuts of the film. Amazing. Of the first Ghoulies. Cool. And got some uh, uh, some great interviews with uh, Phil Fondacaro, my favourite, uh, from <laughs> Ghoulies 2. And uh, Ken, Ken J. Hall uh, for Ghoulies and Ghoulies 2. And he... He's one of the creators of Puppet Masters, as well as yep. it's fun that he worked on Ghoulies. He also created the Puppet Masters with uh, Charlie Band. It's uh, fair to say it's the most comprehensive release of Ghoulies 1 and 2 yet. Uh, yeah, let's say that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he's not talking up his product much, is he? <laughs> I mean, look at it. Look at it. 
Is it fair? I, su- I suppose I it know. is. After listening to that. <laughs> I, spo- I suppose it is. Like, there's a couple of things that we didn't, that we I wanted to include that we didn't get to include that would have really upped it. Yep. But it's different. But it's not different everyone from any other release. Ghoulies four, that's the problem, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, Ghoulies. It would have been great to include Ghoulies three and four. Yeah. Especially like Ghoulies three is the one that I really remember as a kid. Mm. I got what? Is it Kevin McCarthy in that one? Uh, <laughs> he put me on the spot. All I remember <laughs> is that it's, they go to college. <laughs> they do. It's the college one. And there's three Ghoulies. And in on the, the cover, there's lots of girls in their underwear <laughs> because they the Ghoulies go on like a panty raid. <laughs> <laughs> But really, it's it's actually remembering the important details yeah. always. <laughs> oh, now we're interested. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I thought you might want to plug that one. Clearly, you don't. <laughs> you, you actually like umbre- umbrella. Do not tell me when these <laughs> yeah. things are coming out. Fair uh, enough. So I had no idea until you sprung it on me that it was actually is surprise. Available. <laughs> um, they have still not sent me my co- a copy of it yet. Well, you're, you're welcome. Uh, I'm keeping you up to speed, mate. <laughs> I'm feeling awkward. very feeling very uncomfortable about this part of the show. Yeah. <laughs> let's move on to recommendations. Uh, <laughs> but before we do, let's talk about these subgenres. There's no shortage of Western movies to talk about, but um, you've got the spaghetti Western, obviously. Mm-hmm. In Australia, you got the meat pie western. You mentioned last week the kraut western. It got me interested in all these cuisines from of westerns <laughs> around the world, and there's heaps of them. I've never heard the term meat pie western before. Yeah, it's, it, it is a, a term used. There's a Wikipedia entry for it with all the listings of what is considered a meat pie western. It's essentially an Aussie western. But um, go around the world, and in in Asia, you've got the ramen westerns. Which is yeah, a thing. right. Yeah, right. Uh, where you got a curry western, which is obviously you know Indian. Mm. What else was there? Acid westerns. It's not a food, but you can consume it, and that's sort of the the El Topos and the the dead man type of yeah westerns. Yeah. Uh, what other ones? Oh, I love this one from Hungary. You've got the goulash westerns. <laughs> I had no idea that uh, wow. there were any Hungarian westerns. So I mean, I want to say. Useful information, but <laughs> <laughs> or rambling. No, interesting, <laughs> interesting information. Yeah, just not, sure. uh, <laughs> just, not, just not useful. How many people? You know, they're going to go to work on. They're going to work after listening to the show on Monday morning, <laughs> trying to keep trying to keep that fourth wall up. There's water coolers to talk uh, around, and you know, yeah. they're um, gonna, and they're going to be like, "Hey, check out that." What, just, is it, what do you guys think about Hungarian goulash westerns? I feel like oh. you should really get behind the show, Ben. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, my favourite um, type of western are those, they're called northerns, and they're the Alaskan slash Canadian westerns, which are much more your revenants and, and Yukon type, mm. of, type of movies. Yeah, Northwest Man of Police and stuff like that. Yeah, I love a good northern. But I've never called it a northern. It's just, no, to me, it's always yeah. like a wilderness western. Yeah. But now we know what to call it. I'm surprised that they don't have things like Southern. Like so many Westerns are set in Texas and yeah. they are, it's not the West. Yeah. It's yeah. the South. Yeah. It's so odd. Yeah. It's so odd to me. But anyway, so we've gone through those. Let's do some recommendations. All right. You're up first. Um, I'm going to just take a guess. And, and is, it the, is it the sexy meat pie Western, The Adventures of Eskimo Nell? Is that what you're going to talk about? <laughs> no, there's no. I like my Westerns with as little sex as possible. <laughs> <laughs> Makes one of us. It's all dirty. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it gets a bit dusty. I don't think, actually, no, that's a lie. My second recommendation does have a lot of sex in it. <laughs> uh, no, look, I look. I, I thought I would take this opportunity to go back and watch some classic westerns that I have never seen. Mm. Awesome. Like the ones that everyone talks about as being 
the 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 standard by which all other westerns are measured. But for whatever reason, I haven't seen. I, you know, in I, many ways, that should be what the show is all about. We're just too lazy; haven't got enough time to actually to do actually that every do it. week. Yeah, it was a it was a struggle. Like, I mean, hopefully, uh, hopefully, no one that pays my wages listens to the show because they, otherwise they'll know that I spent the whole day just watching. <laughs> <laughs> he offers this freely, but like. Just, you know. this is but you know, I mean, and by the, I mean it's it's Saturday, so it's fine. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, it's true. It's a bit much to expect. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. I re- you know, I replied to emails on my phone. Uh, <laughs> How many fourth walls can this guy break yeah, on one show? Seriously. <laughs> Saturday on Good Movie Monday. <laughs> I'm really trying to get behind the show. It's, really, <laughs> it's just not working for me this week. <laughs> Uh, but then I'm the only one not hammered. <laughs> or or dressed up. Yeah, or, or dressed up. Literally. <laughs> I'm, I'm dressed as a guy. I'm dressed as a bartender <laughs> and Melzi's double denimed. Like And and with cowboy boots. With cowboy, cowboy boots. boots. Yeah. <laughs> so alright, lucky I'm here this week. Yeah, just, I didn't know. I'm <laughs> bringing up this side of the yeah, lifting up this yeah. side of the, the table. Because yeah. uh, I've totally I failed in every aspect of it. No, not at all. Uh, well, get him a paper bag and he can rustle. <laughs> I can go shit in the I can go shit in the bushes if you want. <laughs> it's funny enough. Aside from maybe the series Deadwood, I don't think it's like it's like how Two Thousand One: A Space Odyssey is the first movie ever to show someone flushing a toilet. Yeah. Deadwood's the first first western to ever show anyone actually going to take a shit. It's just something they didn't do, and you're like, they're all like, even this the movie at the the movie that I'm going to talk about is is uh, the John Ford classic Stagecoach. Yeah, the movie <laughs> is. We turn back around. We to that get really back quickly, to it. Yeah, the movie is all about them going on this long stagecoach journey. No one ever takes a shit. No, I mean, no just... one even like. There's one scene where one where two, the two women on the stagecoach drink some water. They're the only two who drink water. <laughs> You're the only ones who drink, except for the doctor who's a drunk. <laughs> no one drinks. What is it? Uh, was it? Do you remember that comedian in Australia, Ostentatious? Do you remember him? Yeah. He did that joke, you know, John Wayne saying, "All the world is a stage coach," <laughs> and I thought it was the worst joke ever. Well, it made it like this film was the, like was the film that made his career. And Ostentatious. To, yeah. Really. Yeah, yeah. Without Stagecoach, Ostentatious wouldn't have a career. <laughs> I thought it was Australiana. Either way, Jesus. we're not here to talk about that. No. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just, I do, I'm doing what Ben does best, and that's to, to take away from his recommendation <laughs> and talk about something else. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> uh, I, just, I wish it's a Western trope. It's revenge. <laughs> I wish I, uh, I wish I knew more about Ostentatious. But aside from the uh, the frequent appearances on Roadshow VHS, <laughs> yes, that you know, I would see. <laughs> stomach's making a noise. Uh, I don't really know anything about like he was. I know he wore sunglasses. He did on his stage, but I always thought he was always. He was like, the poor man's Rodney Roode. Yeah, yeah. He was well. He was no steady Eddie. He didn't have the. <laughs> I didn't. He wasn't on uh, Hey Hey it's Saturday enough for me to have paid much attention to him. <laughs> I apologise, ostentatious, if you're <laughs> listening to this. Uh, so this movie is, is made in 1939. It's been remade uh, possibly more than any other western, uh, directed by John Ford. And he actually had to go to bat for John Wayne because the producer who was putting up, I think, half of the financing 
refused and actually wanted him to had basically hide Gary Cooper and replace Claire Trevor with Marlene Dietrich mm. and and said, look, you're not going to get the money if you don't put these two people in it. Yeah, right. And uh, uh, John Ford stuck to his guns and said, get stuffed. It's John Wayne or nothing. John Wayne got the part and then went on to become like a superstar. So at that point in time, was John Wayne much more of a song and dance man? Like what was the objection? <laughs> like what was the objection? Because I mean, he wasn't always He just wasn't guy. famous. He just, yeah. no one knew who he was. Mm. He'd right. only done a few, you know, small, mm. much smaller roles. Okay, cool. Um, I, th- I remember there was, I did see one not too long ago with him, but he, like it was a, a Western, but it was like a modern Western. Like people are on the train. Yep. Oh, no, I think I know the, the one going you're Going out to about. like a dude ranch. He was like, it was like that kind of era stuff. But yep. Okay. I mean, I, I, I feel, I feel bad because I haven't done much research on John Wayne, so I can't really talk what, with any kind John, of authority. John Wayne's real name, Marion. Marion. Mm. Yeah, Marion. Well, I mean, that's he, they probably. That was my trivia question for later in the show. <laughs> Thank you, Glenn. <laughs> Revenge of the dish best served cold. Yeah. And, the, and the thing is, though, like maybe, maybe, maybe they didn't want him in the film because he was billed as Marion. Maybe that's yeah. He hadn't changed his name to yeah. uh, to John yet. Um, uh, yeah, Put him Maybe. on the bill with whatever the female lead is. It sounds like a lesbian film. <laughs> Which I fucking oath I would have watched that. <laughs> oh, Eskimo Nell, here we go. Uh, you know, because I think I think. Uh, yeah, I'm not going to go there. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> just a slippery slope. So basically, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's the tagline. <laughs> I feel bad because there's a lot, there is some Mexicans in this film. Um, so basically, the whiskey's getting, working. Getting back to stagecoach, <laughs> the film is literally about a bunch of people on a stagecoach trying to get to a, a town across the, the other side of this desert, I guess. The, on the other side, this uh, you know, three or four towns along, but. The, all the, they're supposed to be getting escorted by the army, but the army have all pulled out because the Apaches are on the warpath, and uh, it's all everything's very dangerous. The Apaches do turn up, but there's probably only twenty of them. Yeah, but it's still a pretty harrowing scene. But the cast is pretty good, and shockingly, so it is John Wayne. John Wayne plays the Ringo Kid, who's actually under arrest for the majority of the film because he's out gunning for the men that killed his his pa. His Sam Peck and Pa. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so uh, we're, we're going to get messages at midnight yeah, again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Contesting now. <laughs> Proving it. Uh, but, uh, and Claire Trevor, Claire Trevor chops up, uh, George Bancroft, Donald Meek. But the the surprise for me in it is that it does, it has a, a younger John Carradine uh, as the kind of, he's like a, it's he's a he's a weird character because he's like a he's like a professional gambler, but he's also very concerned. My tummy, my stomach <laughs> is making so much noise. Uh, <laughs> it's, like it's vibrating. He's trying to reenact Blazing Saddles. Is <laughs> yeah. what's happening. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he, he felt bad that he didn't come in costume. So, <laughs> so he's in character. Yeah, yeah. My stomach yeah. is broken. Well, I'm going to do my best Ruben impression later on. And just puke all over you. <laughs> yeah. Like you can't wear you can't wear that you can't wear, you can't double denim without getting a bit of uh, bomb yes, on you. Stopping the show for a second to lay some context there. Yeah. yeah. Melzi's son spewed all over her this morning. And what he didn't spew 
you a life of me spirit in the toilet. Ben's implying. Yeah, it wasn't a life of me. <laughs> I just, I had these clothes on. Hello. Melzi, go with it. Go with it. <laughs> oh, no, I'm just I'm going by the Facebook story that said this is this was my outfit until Ruben puked on it. And then and then you had a onesie on. Uh, I thought that was legit. I didn't realise that uh, it, it was all in the aid of a good uh, Facebook no, story. No, I, I said I was dressed like this for the day, like ready to go to work and everything. Yeah. And then Ruben started vomiting, and my day, like I had, we had. Uh, I had see, to I misread. Home. I thought the yeah. reason I was, I had a whole thing about you you double excited. denim, and you got and you, he puked on you. Like so, he took one look at it. You t- we're, we're finding out some sort of weird fantasy here. <laughs> This is what I envisioned. <laughs> I have to go Sorry, back and to read that story. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but anyway, so John Carradine, <laughs> he's like he's a gambler, but he's also very concerned with propriety. Mm. There's a there's a real class struggle going on in this film, especially with the Claire Trevor character, who's like a a prostitute mm-hmm. who, despite being incredibly nice and helpful to everyone else on the stagecoach, is treated like a pariah by everyone except for John Wayne. Gotcha. But especially by by um, uh, John Carradine, who is like, for me, I don't know about you guys, but I've the only things that I really know John Carradine for is from horror films, mm. where he's always played like almost like an Undertaker type yeah. kind of character. He's the Peter Cushing, the he's early super, Peter Cushing. Like, yeah, yeah, he's super creepy. Yeah, he's very attractive. He's delightful. <laughs> <laughs> he is great. He's got like a, he's got a great deep voice, and he's like a you know he's good with a gun, and there's actually like. This movie, I guess maybe because of the time and, and maybe the Hayes Code, it shies away from a lot of the violence. Like, they do cut away. Yeah. You see, you do see a couple of people get shot by the Indians or the Indians get shot. But otherwise, most of the gunshots are all done off camera and you just hear them. And it's always done in a pretty inventive way. But at one point in the film, when they're under attack and it looks like they're going to uh, they're gonna uh, lose, mm. John Carradine has one bullet left and he decides to use it on... Uh, there's a woman in the in the stagecoach with them that he's uh, he served under her father, who was a general in the army. Mm-hmm. He's going to use it on her, and he puts the gun to her head, and then he gets unfortunately you know, he gets shot and can't can't kill her. But it is a, like a shocking moment for a, like a 1939 yeah. western. Yeah. Wow! Uh, like it, it is great, and I do really now want to go and watch the there's de- there's there was a remake in the 60s. I think there's another remake in the 80s. I, well, interesting. I was scrolling through Tubi, which is a, an amazing mm. resource for classic westerns, right? And I'm scrolling through, and there's one called Return of Ringo, and now it clicks. It, it's a stagecoach film, yeah, right. like a, mm. a quasi-sequel yeah. of some sort. If only they were like Eulorium and sponsored us. <laughs> oh, wouldn't that be amazing? <laughs> we might have to... Uh, yeah. Tubi? <laughs> I don't have COVID. That was a note, that was a note for you. you <laughs> have some whiskey, mate. It helps. Yeah. <laughs> But anyway, stagecoach. Awesome. Check it out. <laughs> Melzi, you're up. Oh, I don't know if I can follow all of that now. <laughs> the pressure's on. Um, so I love horror. Mm-hmm. That I love musicals. I used to be in musicals when I was younger. Love comedy. Anyway, mine is Cannibal the Musical. Oh, amazing. <laughs> amazing. So Trey Parker and Matt Stone, they made this when they were college students in 93. Uh, apparently they were trying to get it out there. It was um, rejected by every film festival. Yeah, it makes sense. Yep, and so they were just holding like little little screenings of it and started to get some good word of mouth. But anyway, um, Troma ended up releasing it in 96. And then obviously when they got 
famous with South Park. It took off from there. So it's loosely based on, it, on the true story of Alfred Parker, who's the only person to be convicted of cannibalism in America. And it's actually, like, apparently they did heat or Trey Parker did heaps of research and it's actually quite, like, truthfully yeah. told and, and the settings that they, like, they yeah. actually Film shot fair. it. Yeah, yeah, they actually shot it, was, it in the courthouse. Because it was called the Packer Party, <laughs> like the, the story of the Packer Party. Right, yeah. yeah. Um, keep I going. Thought, I that was just a tongue twister. Packer Party, six minutes. Is it pack and par or pack and pour? I don't know. Keep going. Oh, God. <laughs> it all comes back to pack and, pack and par. The, the pack and party. If pack and party picked a pack of poor. pickled passengers. Mm. <laughs> He'd probably pass out. <laughs> okay, so while Alfred Parker is awaiting execution, he's approached by journalist Polly Pry to tell the story of his ill-fated trip from Utah to Colorado Territory with a group of miners. So you get flashbacks to 1873, the expedition, as the group breaks into amazingly hilarious songs and, you know, eventually resort to whipping each other's skin off. <laughs> <laughs> so the music is incredible and you can see how they went on to make the South Park movie, Team America and the Book of Mormon. And there have been numerous stage productions of it over the years, which, oh my God, I would... Hill to yeah. go to one of those. It would be amazing. Uh, you also can't help but love the characters. They're so wholesome. And after we screened... because we just, Yeah. <laughs> after we screened Tucker and Dale last Saturday night, it just reminded me of that. Yeah. Just like these wholesome characters that you can't help but love. These wholesome backwards characters. Yeah. And it's so earnest and just, oh, it's so sweet. And, um, and Glenn, you were telling me about the DVD commentary, which unfortunately I didn't have a chance to watch yet. So it's but, um, one of the greatest commentaries you'll ever hear because they play a drinking game as they go. And by the end of it, they are so paralytically drunk mm. that they can't even get words out. So you can't even understand what they're talking about. Maybe us tonight. Yeah, it could be because <laughs> I could tell you my second glass is mostly whiskey. So that'll be very interesting. <laughs> I'm heating up quite me substantially. Too, <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking the fucking heater's on. It's like, no. Oh, no. <laughs> it's all internal. It's radiating <laughs> off your body. <laughs> anyway, no, but it is one of the, the funniest audio commentaries you'll ever, yeah. ever hear. Yeah, well worth it. Yeah. What I loved about Cannibal the Musical is the way they colour grade it. Everything's fluoro. Yeah. Like the greens are fluoro and the reds are fluoro. It's hilarious. Oh, it's so hilarious. It's so good. I, yeah, absolutely <laughs> love it. So good. And that's, yeah, that's the epitome of a cult film, I reckon. Mm. Yeah. Midnight screenings. We should like do a, a regular Good Movie Monday. Absolutely. Midnight like we, we Just should, at my house with us, no one else. Like you're not invited anymore. No, I was gonna <laughs> say we should do it. We should do it at like at the upstairs dining area of KFC in Oakley. Like no one no one ever goes to that upstairs uh, area. We just bring in a projector. <laughs> we ate the there lights. and didn't go upstairs. Yeah. <laughs> I mean Goodness. And then just you know, you ring the bell for more KFC. <laughs> There's another partnership, a collab in the in the making, right? <laughs> Yeah, Colonel, hit us up. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so that's that's your recommendation. That's my first recommendation. Fantastic. Yep. I love that one. How's it going, everybody? It's Guillermo here again from ScreenRealm.com. The website is back. That is the good news. It's back, but it's only just back. So we're uh, still in the process of populating the site once again with the latest Although we do have your latest Australian streaming release schedules there, so you can check out what's coming up on Netflix, Amazon Prime, Shutter, etc. Let me catch you up on just some of the big movie news that occurred during the last week. Kicking off with Cameron Diaz officially coming out of retirement for a Netflix action film titled Back in Action. Also set to star Jamie Foxx. Now this is to be an action comedy set to be directed by Seth Gordon, whose credits include Horrible Bosses, Identity Thief, 
and 2017's Baywatch. Gordon also wrote the screenplay with Brendan O'Brien, whose credits include Bad Neighbors, Bad Neighbors 2, and Mike and Dave Need Wedding Dates. No plot details for Back in Action are known as yet. This is said to be Cameron Diaz's first film in around eight years. Her last feature credit was the musical Annie, and that was back in 2014, and Jamie Foxx also starred in that one. And it appears that James Bond fans have a few years at least before we know a little more as to what we can expect in the next iteration. James Bond producer Barbara Broccoli has told Deadline that it will be, quote, at least two years, end quote, before the next 007 movie even begins filming. As for the search for who will be replacing Daniel Craig in the role, the journey hasn't even started, apparently. Nobody's in the running, Broccoli said. We're working out where to go with him, we're talking that through. There isn't a script, and we can't come up with one until we decide how we're going to approach the next film, because really, it's a reinvention of Bond. We're reinventing who he is, and that takes time. I'd say that filming is at least two years away. Oscar winner Russell Crowe has signed up to star in a supernatural thriller titled The Pope's Exorcist. The film is going to be directed by Australian filmmaker Julius Avery, known for Overlord and Son of a Gun. Crowe is going to be playing real-life father Gabriel Amorth, a legendary Italian priest who performed over 100,000 exorcisms for the Vatican. The plot will be taking elements from his best-selling memoirs, An Exorcist tells his story and An Exorcist more stories. Father Amorth died in 2016 and Screen Gems acquired his life rights along with the rights to his memoirs. Joe and Anthony Russo, directors of Marvel films such as Avengers Endgame and Infinity War, as well as upcoming Netflix action film The Grey Man, will be staying at Netflix for their next feature, The Electric State, which is set to star Stranger Things actress Millie Bobby Brown. Chris Pratt is reportedly also circling a co-star role. The Electric State is going to be based on an illustrated novel by Simon Stallinghag and is going to be set in a retro-futuristic past where an orphan teen, played by Millie Bobby Brown, traverses the American West with a sweep of mysterious robot and an eccentric drifter in search of her younger brother. That about does it for me guys, be sure to join Screen Realm on YouTube and all over social media. Thanks so much for having me, catch you next week.
Was it actually ever possible, Ben, for us to have a Western theme show without Blades of Glory? No, I don't think it's it's really possible. <laughs> I think you edit it out every week, but I think there's always <laughs> there's always some kind of uh, Bon Jovi uh, kind of talk. <laughs> yeah. In the background, like for a for a married straight man, you have an unhealthy obsession with John Bon Jovi. Uh, John Bon Jovi is pretty wonderful. Is, uh, it's the denim. The, the fact that you keep sharing those uh, masked, those hidden karaoke videos of Bon Jovi, uh, you know, interrupting people when they're singing. <laughs> Funny enough, Blaze of, of Glory. What a what a fucking awesome song though! Like a banger, like. Young Guns 2. Like, that yeah. is also one of the great part two sequels in my mind. Um, do you like Young Guns 2? I almost like it more than number one. Well, I like it because it's got Ginger Lynn Allen in it. Well, of course you do. <laughs> you can kiss my ass. But, like, I've, I look, to be honest, I always found the fact that Young Guns 2 existed to be really weird because they seemingly killed all the famous people in Young Guns. Well, that's interesting, isn't it? Because number two is the fable. So yeah. number two is, like, because there's a true story of this guy called Brushy... Bob or whatever his name is in the 50s that came out claiming to be Billy the Kid. It's well documented. So they've taken that theory and run with it. So he tells the story in the 1950s of when he was Billy the Kid way back. So they've kind of found that little entry point to retell the story. Yeah. As if it, you know, the, the first one kind of didn't end that way. And who's Pat Garrett in... Uh, oh, William Peterson. Um, William. Is it William Peterson? Yeah. I hate my head it was um, Dem Mulroney. But, uh, He's in yeah. the first one. Yeah. He chews all the, all the tobacco. Yeah. The, the tobacco. <laughs> Um, you know, the, the producers of, um, of Young Guns 2 wanted to use Dead or Alive, the Bon Jovi song. That's the one they really wanted to go for because that's a Western song. But yeah. Bon Jovi's like, absolutely not. You, under, you don't understand the song. Like, it's not about yeah. that at all. It's got a, another meaning. And he goes, well, I'll tell you what, I'll go and write a song especially for you, which is Blaze of Glory. And then he actually ended up writing an entire album, which is inspired by Young Guns 2. So the soundtrack is not really music from the movie. It's just... Yeah. yeah. Imagine if it was. <laughs> and that, dear listener, every week. Every Rambling. week I have to listen to this Bon Jovi, <laughs> the history of Bon Jovi. It's better than if he was obsessed with you too, I will admit. <laughs> we did Bloody Sunday the other, <laughs> the other week. Um, well, I mean, I guess you'd call Young Guns, what, a rock and roll western if you're going to coin anything. And, and there's a few of those over the years. You had Posse. Do you remember that one? That I was, do remember like, Posse. That was the black version of Young Guns. And then, was it not Hooded Angels? There was a there was a kind of a Bad artificial girls? sequel where they're all it was black women in a black women. So women something Western. like Hooded Angels. I think it's like I think it was actually. That's the challenge for the listener, Hooded dear listener. Hit us up on uh, Facebook. Yeah, on, the, on the socials. So I can't look it up. Oh, well, you're going to have I've to got fly it on, like, off the seat like of your pants, mate. You haven't got the internet to back black up. Black roses or something like that. Okay. I think that's called. Oh, did you just hear the pour of another whiskey? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like I said, Bad Girls, you know, with um, Drew Barrymore and... Madeline Stowe. Yep. And, uh, was Matt McCoy in that one? Oh, we don't talk no, about he's in Hard Bounty. Jim Winorski. Jim Winorski did a Western <laughs> called Hard Bounty that came out around the same time as Bad Girls with um, Kelly LeBrock and uh, Matt McCoy from uh, Leviathan. The, right. the movie, not the... Uh, Hellraiser <laughs> documentary. <laughs> documentary. Oh, this is a really great episode for loyal listeners. Yeah, this one. There's a lot of, <laughs> a lot of callbacks. Yeah, <laughs> and the Newton Boys. I guess we talked about that on our gangster episode, but that's a western, and that was very much a, a Young Guns type of, uh, you know, hot shot Hollywood cast kind of movie. Is that a like? Richard Linklater, I think, directed that one. I, I always, for me, I don't think I've ever actually seen it. That's the one with Teresa Russell. 
Is she the mum? I don't remember. I don't remember is the that male the cast. Mar Baker one. or the Baker Baker Boys or something like that. <laughs> I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> you know the the there's a there's at least there's one yep. that's all about Mar Baker, which is the part of the you know the Boney M song yeah, Mar yeah, yeah. Baker. They, they made a movie about that. Yeah. No, I don't know what about it those is. characters, but um, and she's the she's the mother. Okay. I can't remember who the who the kids are, but because I thought Newton Boys was like a Bonnie and Clyde era. It kind of is. Like, it kind of teeters on like the a, line of Like both. a more of a 30s. It comes up in a lot of Western lists. Like, a, what's the other one with Angie Dickinson? Um, it's also Jim Wynorski did the sequel to it. Uh, <laughs> yeah, what was that oh, called? I can't I wait the for this Wynorski episode. The, uh, the internet. I wish the internet worked. What is it called? Big Bad Mama. Oh, no. Yeah. no. I know that one. Yeah, Big Bad Mama and Big Bad Mama 2. Yeah, right. Okay. Uh, we're, we're, she's basically Ma Baker. Yeah. But in the first one, pretty sure in the first one, the love interest... Is Tom Skerritt, no, Robert Culp and um, William Shatner are the love interests. Interesting. Or, or in, the, in the sequel, but yeah. Well, another one I did watch, which Young Guns kind of made me think of, which was made much later, I think it was 2000, was um, Michael Whittenbottom made The Claim with Sarah Polly and uh, Wes, um, Wes, Wes Bentley. Bentley. And I was watching it thinking, I remember this being great. It's not. It's not <laughs> at all. Like I remember putting it on in the video store and going, "Yeah, where's that fucking bag?" Yeah, and because like, it was like after <laughs> yeah. American Beauty. Yeah, yeah. And you're like, "Come on, is this? That's all this bag can do." <laughs> but the interesting, what what I found interesting is because most recently you and I have you and I have been right through the whole Yellowstone series, right? Mm-hmm. And Wes is in that, and he's yeah. uncharacteristically different. Like he, he's he's not the character we know him from in all these other movies. And the juxtaposition between him and The Claim, which is a Western, and Yellowstone, yeah. which is a modern Western, like, no comparison. Interesting. Anyway, speaking of Yellowstone, how's that for a segue? Like, yes, my interview with Richard Gray. He's a Melbourne lad. He rose up through the Aussie uh, Project Greenlight. Isn't that interesting? We talked about that a few weeks ago, yeah. as if, you know, it was something that, you know, no one's heard of before. And lo and behold, this guy's been I through I believe it. to win, though, he had to do the little lad dance. <laughs> he came second. And so... After that, his first film was one I loved for many years called Summer Coda, which had uh, Rachel Taylor. It was all set up in the the, the orange that, that was the orange um, area up in um, Mildura where they grow all the oranges, and it was about backpackers and things like that. It was a good one. And then he went on to make the footy movie Blinder um, before he moved over to the states and made The Lookalike and Sugar Mountain, and of course the Braveheart quasi sequel Robert the Bruce, which um, I don't think he appreciates being described as a Braveheart sequel. sequel. <laughs> as as well, you'll hear in this conversation. <laughs> literally, it's Angus McFadden who is Robert the Bruce in Braveheart. <laughs> yeah, I know. Like, if you didn't want it to be a Braveheart <laughs> sequel, oh, maybe cast someone else. <laughs> yeah, that's right. But his latest movie is the um, the Western Murder at Yellowstone City, which has an all-star cast, including Gabrielle Byrne, Richard Dreyfus, Nat Wolf, Anna Camp, Anna Garcia, and more. And, of course, this guy, Thomas Jane, who we're going to hear from first. Then you're going to hear from uh, Richard. And just to be known, uh, Richard's interview is cut down in size. If you want to hear the full thing, Tuesday night on our uh, YouTube and Facebook pages, you'll see the, the full interview in visual form. So anyway, here you go. These two. So much for your divine grace. Hey, Thomas. How's it going, mate? Uh... Let's see. I'm doing good. I'm just recovering from the jet lag of uh, flying back from Europe. I was in the UK for three weeks, or I was actually in France for three weeks. Oh, you never, you never stop. 
Yeah, I'm a little beat. I'm a little beat, but uh, we had a, we had a lot of fun there. It took my dad trout fishing on the Dordogne River, and uh, caught a, caught a couple of trout. My mom cooked them up. It was uh, memorable. That's amazing because uh, you you got to be one of the hardest working actors I know of, and um, I, I was going to ask how you managed to find time uh, between projects for that sort of R and R. Yeah, it's good. It's just life saving. You got to do it, you know. Absolutely. You got to carve out some time and just go go off the grid for a while <laughs> and uh, figure out how to how to reset, you know. I do. Yes, absolutely. Um, look, it's great to be chatting with you, mate. You are basically an honorary Aussie. <laughs> yeah, no shit. By now, I think I am. <laughs> I had a lot of fun down there and up there in Queensland. It's a pretty exotic place, I think, even for most Australians. You know, it's. Uh, I mean, at least the guys up there were saying, "Yeah, this is, this isn't really what what the rest of Australia looks like." You know, it's very this was very tropical up there. It's lush. There's there's um, of course all the wildlife is pretty extreme. Um, and the people, you were far North, were you like up near Cairns? Yeah, I went up there. I went up there to, uh, scuba dive the great barrier reef. Amazing. And the show Tropo takes place up in a place like Cairns, you know, yeah. but we shot a little bit, uh, we shot a little bit South of that near Brisbane. Awesome. Um, well, we're here to talk about murder at Yellowstone city. Um, dude, this is such a classic type of Western and um, you're no stranger to Westerns. You've been in plenty of them. Have you always been a fan of the genre? Or what's the appeal for you? Well, yeah. I mean, that's the thing where me and my old man would sit around on Saturday afternoon and watch the old Sergio Leone Westerns. And then I got into the John Ford stuff, uh, you know, when I got a little older. And, and uh, all the old great Westerns, you know, Anthony Mann made a few... Uh, um, I've, in other words, yeah, I, I'm a fan and, I, and I've always wanted to, to do it, but you know, they weren't wait, making Westerns for a long time. Mm. They, there was a sort of a fallow period, uh, uh, in, in Hollywood where, I mean, I was trying to get a Western made for 10 years or, or not 10, 10 years ago. Yeah. I was trying to get a Western made. Nobody would touch it. You know? Now we're having a little string of them. So I'm proud of that yeah and so you should be this is this one's a, a great one and it was filmed at the yellowstone film ranch um which looks amazing and this is for people that don't know this is a facility that richard gray basically built from scratch with a couple of partners and i've been following his social media and, and behind the scenes production shots and he seemed to look like a kidding Candyland man like right, yeah. you know, can you talk about working with him and your and, and your thoughts on the ranch well, we were the first, yeah, Richie and his buddies built the ranch to make Westerns. And we were the, so we were the first guys to sort of shoot there and, and memorialize the ranch on film. And then since then, it's been pretty nonstop over there where Westerns have been moving in other Westerns uh, to shoot there. And so it, what's great is you get a unique, a lot of these towns, if you're a Western fan, you've seen them before, mm. you know, they, they changed the signs and they repaint a couple buildings, but it's the same old town. This is a this is a new one, you know, and it's really well done. I mean, the guys who built it did a bang up job. It's built to last, you know. There's no there's no facade that's being propped up by a couple of two by fours. This is like all the buildings are real. You can shoot in them and out outside and around them. Um, we had uh, it, it was an extraordinary amount of fun to shoot. 
we had some great crew, you know, our horse wranglers became buddies and we've worked together again on a different Western. Um, it's good, uh, good times, you know, I, I hope this run lasts and thanks for saying that Yellowstone is good because every good Western that comes out means that they'll make a couple of more, you know? <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, I, I'm a big fan of Westerns and like, I think it might have something to do also with the fact that he built this whole backlot, you know, from scratch, but there's an authenticity to it. That's for sure. Yeah. We had a great story and uh, we had got some great actors involved. And Speaking of the, the actors, like what an incredible cast, you know, Gabrielle Byrne and Richard Dreyfuss, mm -hmm. Isaiah Mustafa, and that Wolf, Amy mm -hmm. Garcia, Anna Camp, amongst others, like this must be a hard yep. film to say no to. Yeah. You get a good script and it's, and you're darn right. I mean, that's why you see a lot of established, really good actors in the show because you get a good script. Everybody wants to show up for that, you know, it's, you know, and and that's reflected and, you know, getting guys like Dreyfus out there who was a legend, you know, such a, such a kind man, but all full of all the great stories from Close Encounters to Jaws and yeah, and all the other uh, things that he's done over the years, and having a guy like that around, sort of the godfather of of actors, one of the godfathers of of actors, it's a, it was really fun. Is he is he like the um the class clown that I would like to think he is? <laughs> he's got a great sense of humor. I tell you that. <laughs> awesome. Uh, <laughs> and and given that you guys were all shooting on location in Paradise Valley, which is practically Yellowstone, I imagine it was hard to get away from each other. So you were you a really you know close knit group of um group of friends? Well, you know, I mean, I think you're right. When you spend five days a week together and it's uh, 12, 14 hour days, you know, on the weekends. Personally, I just kind of want to get the hell on a river somewhere and go fly fishing, which is what I did. My dad flew out. And uh, we went up to the Yellowstone, we got ourselves a guide, and we did a wonderful uh, fishing trip, uh, you know, a couple of times up there. It's really fun. Um, so that's what I did. What a, um, what, a, what a place to make a living. Yeah, right? That's, <laughs> I hear a lot of people are moving out there now. After the pandemic, people are looking to get out of big cities, and Montana's always been, you know, absolutely gorgeous. Did the, so, did the pandemic have any effect on this production? Well, the answer is no, because hmm. you're out in the middle of nowhere. You're pretty well isolated. You know, you're, uh, you're um, not in contact with a whole lot of people. And of course, we've got the COVID protocols and stuff, but it was pretty darn relaxed because we were all pretty yeah. self-contained and, and safe. You know, we didn't have any problems. Awesome. Awesome. Can you um, tell me about playing a preacher amongst cowboys did you draw any influence or inspiration from anything or did you sort of dive into it with your own sort of take on it well i mean god let me see if i can <laughs> dig up the movie here well, you, you know uh who's the famous uh famous preacher the, the movie directed by charles lawton you know the name escapes me there's so many damn movies <laughs> But uh, but anyway, he played a classic uh, kind of preacher. Now he he was he was bad, he, a bad dude. He had <laughs> he had a good and evil tattooed on each of his hands. You know he he was <laughs> a charismatic charismatic character though. And I think some of my costume comes from comes from that film. Are we we talking about uh, was that Night of the Hunter? Is that the one? That's the one. That is the one. Yeah. 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 Not, Night of the Hunter. Fuck yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Amazing film. 
so yeah, I mean, it's his only movie. Charles, only movie Charles Lawton directed, and unfortunately, because well, it didn't do well at the box office, and he got depressed about that and never did another one. But it's really too bad because it's damn close to being a masterpiece. Completely agree. Not not a western. It's a film noir, but it definitely has you know it has a good feel. It's uh, it takes place in the country. There's a river, and you know they're sort of traveling through farmland. So it's got a, it's got that feel to it. Yeah, I mean, he's he's got a horse and wagon that comes up over the horizon. It's very western in its tropes. So, yeah, so it, it it was an inspiration for me for sure. Yeah, cool. There's um there's been quite a few Aussie directors who've made American westerns. Do you think the Aussies bring some kind of different sensibility to the genre, or do you just think it's what's on the page is what what's on the screen? I I think. Uh, Australia and the uh, the West, the classic sort of American West, have a lot of similarities. Um, the you know there's there's a lot of cowpunchers in both places. There's a lot of horses. There's a lot of land. Mm. Um, you have to be tough to live off that land. You have to be resourceful. And there's often you know if you need a sheriff, he's a he's a town away. He's a day away. You know, so you have to know how to take care of business yourself. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of similarities that I can come up with between Australia and the Old West. And I think there's been a lot of wonderful sort of Australian Westerns that have, that have done pretty well. Yep. And, uh, and there's also, you know, some actors that have come over and, and crew and like Richie, you know, guys who contribute to the Western. I could see the affinity and why we have artists from Australia who have made some good contributions to the Western. Absolutely. And while, while we're on the subject of the Aussies, um, you are no stranger to Australia, as we established earlier on. Um, you've filmed quite a few things down mm-hmm. here and you've worked with lots of Aussies over there. What, what keeps bringing you back mm-hmm. here? I think the people and the, uh, there's a little bit of an, out, not an outlaw, but there's a little bit of a, you know, a roguish uh, sense to a lot of Australians that I've really connect with. And, you know, and, uh, they don't, they have a wonderful sense of humor and uh but they're you know they're a hearty bunch and uh i relate to that I, I feel good around australians you know um so i guess whenever i get the opportunity it's hard for me to say no yeah to go back there and it, you know my first production company uh first television show is this tropo that's our first one for the production company my production company called renegade and we got to shoot it in Australia, you know, we were down there for five months. So there's, there's no, uh, you know, there, I think there's no coincidences in this life and it looks like I'll be coming back up there to shoot season two. So Amazing. I'll be spending a lot of time there. That's got Jocelyn Morehouse on it, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. She directed the pilot. She did a great job. Oh, I love her. She, I mean, her, um, her film, The Dressmaker is basically Western. Yeah, totally. And yeah, she's, she's a slick filmmaker. I really uh, had a had a great time. We had a lot of great cast and crew. They were all Australian except for me. I'm the only American in the whole thing. Everybody else, the whole crew, and we just had a blast. You know, we were really, really strong uh, artists and technicians on that show, and I'm sure they'll all want to come back to do season two. So that's really good to hear. Fun. I mean, down here, I don't know what it is. Maybe it's the distance, but we do love it when people like yourself come and work here. It's um, I, I guess uh, you know, it's just mm. we, we we're chuffed when you do. Well, 
I think that with the success of, of uh, Trapo and these other things, we'll probably see more of that. You know, you'll probably get more crossover. And, and you know, with Renegade, we did a true co-production. So it was co We had an American, Australian, true co-production. And, uh, and so that was, I think we'll see more of that too. Very, very cool. Very cool. Now, before I let you run and get on with things, uh, I just want to pay you this compliment because um, you've been in some of my favorite films of the last few years, some of which I would say are probably lesser known to some people, The Vanished, um, Hunter's Moon, uh, Axel, and Run, Hide, Fight particularly. Like, thank you so much, sir. It's been mm. great watching you over the last few years. And, of course, I've been a fan since thursday that's how far back i go you know loving your stuff uh, right on <laughs> yeah that was a fun script yeah there's a fanboy in me right now that's especially thrilled to be chatting with you so i do appreciate your time that's great that's terrific well wait what part of the australia are you in i'm down in melbourne okay yeah well you make it up to uh queensland you have to bring me a pack of those Tim Tams, double chocolate. <laughs> All right. We can do a Tim Tam slam. <laughs> yeah, damn right. Yeah, I fell in love with those. Yeah, everyone does. Those are hard to find around here. Yeah, I mean, they're, but the double chocolate, not the triple chocolate. That That's a little too rich, but the double chocolate's perfect. I consider it done, mate. It's in the bag already. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thanks, buddy. Good talking to you. G'day, Richard. How's it going, mate? Good. How are you, buddy? I like all the oh, posters you got back. Yeah, man. Look, you know, it's my it's my sanctuary <laughs> where I'm at right now. You know, I reckon you and I, we, we go way back because I reckon you were projecting movies to me back in the day at the old uh, Hoyt Cinemas. <laughs> that's true. That That's a funny story. But yeah, I, uh, I started uh, work at Forest Hill Chase 10 yep. when I was 15. 15 years old. That's where I, I grew up out. in Box Hill. Far out, man. Like, yeah, my side of town. But, dude, you know, I remember going to see Mothman prophecies and Angel Eyes and things like that. You know, I reckon you were the guy behind the behind a lamp. <laughs> one of my best, one of my favorite jobs when they still had projectionists. Yeah, I bet, man. I bet. So if you could go back in time, um, how would your younger self react if you told them that one day you'd be directing not only like a, a quasi sequel to Braveheart, but then following that up with a Western starring Gabrielle Byrne and Richard Dreyfus amongst others, surely he would be spun out. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. The, the steps are so small that you never really um, think about it like that. It's always, uh, it's always the next step. And also being an indie filmmaker, where's, where's the next job? coming from and then sure. you know my family and I made the decision to move to LA basically just so we could continue to make films and that would be our thing um I'd done a lot of the, the TV world in Australia and I just wanted to make f movies and so it yeah, seemed sure. like that was the that was the best pathway if you wanted to make movies regularly enough to pay the rent like murder at Yellowstone City dude what a what a classic brand of western this is how did this all come about right so great script so the guy that wrote Robert the Bruce which is just a tiny little spin-off of Braveheart it's got nothing to do with Braveheart it's more like a kid's fable but it was something that I was really passionate about the story on uh he wrote this western Eric Eric, Eric Balgao and he wanted to make a classic Western, but that hit, that hit on some really crucial subjects 
but also was wrapped in a thriller. And I love that idea of it. Um, and I love the idea that it was a classic um, Western. And I, I read it and just fell in love with it. And so we, there's so many great Westerns to draw upon. Um, but when I was growing up, like we had the more fun, the fun style Westerns that I would see with my dad, um, the Silverados um, and the Three Amigos and things that were the quick and the dead and these, these, these type of things, right? Um, but my favorite Westerns always been Once Upon a Time um, in the West, just mm -hmm. Westerns on epic proportion. And then we got lucky with, you know, films like The Proposition in Australia, uh, Unforgiven here, Jesse James, more atmospheric type Westerns mm -hmm. came in and then very dark Westerns have come in. So it was cool to read a script that was more classic. Um, and that's what we embraced with a fabulous cast. And you're right, you do pitch yourself when you're on set with, um, you know, Gabriel Byrne, uh, Thomas Jane, Richard Dreyfuss, um, Anna Camp, Amy Garcia. The, the, these guys are uh, brilliant. And I've wanted to work yeah. with them for a long time. So it was lovely that they felt the same way about the script. For sure. And you said that you, you embraced the genre. Like, with, where was your mind at? Were you trying to hit certain tropes or were you trying to avoid various things? Yeah, we, we, know, we knew we wanted to keep the photography classical but we wanted to make it voyeuristic because we don't know who, who did it and everybody's looking at each other and everyone's judging each other. But we didn't want to be too showy with the camera. And then Westerns these days have become such a, a mashup in recent years um, that we just wanted to stay true to the characters and trying to paint scenes in a sitting, setting that felt uh, realistic to them. Mm -hmm. So whether it was uh, Isaiah or Cicero in his world, or it was Gabriel trying to keep the peace even at the cost of justice, or Thomas Jane and Anna Camp, that Anna, the women really drive the film. Um, uh, Tanea Beattie, who plays uh, Violet Running Horse, if it's not for her feeling something was wrong with the arrest, that leads mm -hmm. to Anna to know that she has to, she can't stand by it. She re they really push the dudes to step up. <laughs> yeah, and Amy totally. Garcia, who runs the town from the brothel, it, it was kind of powerful. That the women kind of decided that this was not right, that Isaiah Cicero would be arrested, and they kind of they might they make the push that it's 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 not okay. And back then, if they're pretending to believe in God or they're believing in God, it wasn't okay to know that somebody was innocent and 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 just stand by mm, mm. yeah no that, that and that definitely like you said that's the crux of it and it's um it is such a, an authentic kind of genre film as well like there, there's just something to it like may, maybe that's to do with the script or maybe it's to do with the fact that you did build this this entire city from scratch very real <laughs> it's not like you know it's not fake you know funny because we sit we sat there you know for three years building it and so you're imagining the, imagining it the whole time. Um, and the Yellowstone Film Ranch is just in such a beautiful spot on the river, um, just 30 minutes from Yellowstone. And 
uh, it, it was easy to imagine it. Usually when you're making um, a film, you don't get a lot of time on the, on the set and you're trying to fit a script into what you're given on the set. We, we had the opposite experience because we could build what the story calls for. Yeah. And I've been watching your social media presence for the last couple of years with the ranch and you just look like a kid in a milk bar with 20 bucks to spend, mate. Like you just like, <laughs> you look like you're in your element. Is that your paradise? I, it is my paradise. I don't know why. Uh, my grandfather, uh, who I never met, grew up not far from here and was US Army. And then met my mom in my grandmother in Melbourne. There's something about this area that I'm very close to, like Scotland um, and Ireland, where my family's from. I just feel very at home here. And getting out during the pandemic after being in LA for 11 years, it just the timing, we were very, very lucky. We got out just before the pandemic. And to be in Montana, where there's just so much space um, yeah. and very little lockdown, it, it was the perfect time to build a Western town in the middle of nowhere. For sure. Um, I'm, I'm a huge fan, as everyone is, of Richard Dreyfus. Uh, having him on board, that's, that, that must be a dream. I imagine him to be a joker. Is he? He is. Um, and he's a, an historian, so you've got to be on your toes. So when you go <laughs> into these first, phone, fo- these first phone calls or these Zooms, um, you, you're nervous because <laughs> you're talking to Richard Dreyfus, And then we asked yeah. you about your American history or where this was in Montana in 1881. You, you, better, be, you better be ready. <laughs> um, but he's a brilliant man, but he's a funny, funny guy. Um, but just so supportive. And every step of the way, he's checking in, how we're going, how we're doing, when we, when's the premiere, what we're doing, like, he wants to do more, he's got another Western that he wants to do with us. Um, he was one of those dream experiences um, that are rare when you get somebody with a body of work that you're just a fan of, um, yeah. but it's giving you the opportunity to to do the best you can and, and direct it, and that was awesome. Um, and a little bit of a throwback right before I do wrap this up with you, but, um, and I've loved chatting with you, by the way, but I used to own a video store and believe it or not, um, your first film, Summer Coda, was my manager's pick for a good 12 months on the shelf. So, <laughs> yeah, I absolutely I adored love, that I film. Love, when it came I love out. that film. It's funny. We're having the LA premiere of Murray Yellowstone City in the same theater we premiered, premiered Summer Coda. It's loosely based on how my parents met and Mildura is where I got married. Um, yeah. and I, that was the best, best time, uh, after project Greenlight, it took, came second in that it took eight years to get that film up after coming second in project Greenlight, And I think that was the impetus to like, get going, making movies because I yeah, didn't want to wait damn straight. another it's eight, a beautiful, eight years. Beautiful film. Such a good film. I love it. Oh, yeah. thank, but um, appreciate thank you. you so much for um, taking some time to chat. I've, um, yeah, I'm loving your work, man. And I'm loving watching you on social media because you just, the joy just comes out in those photos of the ranch. <laughs> Anytime, brother. You've got to come over here. <laughs> yeah. I'll, well, I'm probably in Canada next year, so maybe. Giddy up. We are now talking about the 
American genre. And what genre is that? You're right, gangster pictures. So we're not going to talk about that. We're going to move right on to Westerns. And I will argue, too, that Australia itself makes a lot of damn good Westerns itself. So, I mean, if they, it's, you can't it's a, name one. They've got that Quigley. <laughs> what other they got other than Quigley? Lightning Jack? Like, oh, we'll, that's we'll good. Have you ever we'll, seen that one? It's good. We will Light. go with Lightning Jack. <laughs> I can't even pronounce Seraphim Falls. The only place they ever made them that were good was America. Screw Spain, <laughs> screw Italy, screw Australia. Yeah, let's not. Yeah, we'll just not talk about the proposition or anything. <laughs> what are you proposing? I'll tell you one I want to talk about that I watched. This, I caught it once, didn't know what it was, but it had John Wayne in it. So I was like, well, God, I got to watch it. Because uh, I, I knew when I started, I'm like, ah, dad will know what it is. And I was watching, and the scene I came in on was uh, John Wayne, literally, these guys are all fighting in the background. And then John Wayne stands up, the guy you don't know who it is yet, and he goes, oh, well, everybody else is, and he punches the guy. And the guy gets up and punches him back. And that would have been Rock Hudson was the guy that punches him back. Mm. And it has, it's not a great film. It's not even the best John Wayne film. We won't get into the complications of who John Wayne was. But I love the cast because... It has Royal uh, Dano, Harry Carey Jr., Bruce Cabot, the the best, (laughs) the best of the Michael, the best, the best of the Michael Vincents, that's Jan Michael Vincent, and of course, Lee Merriweather, and that's the undefeated, and the plot is almost ludicrous. Ex-Confederate soldiers are heading- You're not going to do the plot, are you? Ex-Confederate soldiers are heading to Mexico. They run into ex-Union cavalry men who are selling horses to the Mexican government, but then they have to fight Mexican bandits and they team up. This because that's, that's oh god, it's a, it's not a great movie. At but least it, nationalist at best. Even but it, what John Wayne was involved? John Wayne in a nationalist movie. Mine is going <laughs> Go ahead, to be Joe. one Jeez. that I have never got to talk about on here, or maybe I have. Nineteen sixty-nine was a great year, other than it being my favorite number for the best western comedy all to all time okay no it's the second best western comedy of all time support your local evil roy slade it's the third best western comedy of all time with james garner and walter brennan support your local sheriff a grifter bad person blah 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 he plays james gardner does waltzes into town and becomes a sheriff just for the pay figuring he can just screw over every side Kind of like your Jimbo. And yeah. you're going to have to wait till we get the bars installed, but don't cross that line. <laughs> it's got Bruce Dern. It's got Jack Elam. It's got Harry Morgan. I just, it's one of, I've got the half sheet in my, in my bathroom, hanging in the basement. And it's one of my favorite movies from my childhood. They made a sequel really quick called Support Your Local Gunfighter, which isn't bad, just not quite as good. It doesn't have all the good lines like James just did. They haven't actually put the bars in, and he just puts paint there and goes, well, what's that? And he goes, that's what happened to the last guy I tried to get out. And he's scared, and he doesn't know that he's full of shit. Legit one or not legit one? Both. Legit. All right, legit. Too legit. Okay. Too legit so- to quit. Again, this is one of those lo- one of those genres that is one of my personal favorites. Now, it wasn't as a kid. I actually did not get into westerns until I was in my late teens. I never, I, I could, I could not get into them, and now I can't stop watching them. Um, and I've talked about several of my favorites. Yeah, I'm going to talk. It was rebelling against my father. We'll say that I, I could list a bunch of my favorites, but I want to talk about one that I just saw recently that really stuck with me. I had not seen it when it when it was her, her first released in 2003. Open Range. I just watched it for the first time two weeks ago. 
it's it's written it's directed by uh, kevin costner uh it's written by it's based on a novel by lauren payne called the open range men and it's uh written by craig storper um it stars kevin costner robert duvall a young diego luna and annette benning and i could go on and on and michael gambon but it's all about these two the this group of people who are just uh taking cattle across the the, the open uh the west and they're open ranging they're they they have the rights to feed on their cattle but this land baron comes in and says feed you cannot feed on it's just about them trying to feed and then these this baron comes in with his henchmen and makes it miserable for them and they come back with a vengeance and it is all about them planning their attack and it and, and you know you don't think things are going to work uh, go one way it's it's inconceivable that it happens the way that it does but it's an entertaining wa- watch watching it happen and it uh, again it's it may have been kevin costner's last great film in my opinion it is a, it is a perfectly paced western yep. uh, it is it it is a wonderful movie uh, and by the way my gag when billy the kid versus dracula this has been bonehead weekly fun size ben i think those boneheads need an education in, in australian cinema wouldn't you say yes <laughs> i concur <laughs> Of course, they, they're being facetious and all, but they inadvertently opened up a door for us to talk about those meat pie westerns, which I think we should do. Sure. <laughs> my my first recommendation is actually um, the great meat pie western in my eyes. But before I talk about that, uh, let's talk about some others. Chad mentioned The Proposition, which I think is fair enough. That's probably one of the greats. You a fan of that one? No, it's fantastic. Not as good as uh, Quigley Down Under. <laughs> Quigley but... Down Under, come on. That has appreciated a lot more over the years than uh, it probably should have. I remember it being an average movie. The reception was always a bit like we joked about it, but I watched it last year and it's fucking heavy ass. Well, the thing is, it kind of, you think going into it that it's going to be like a lighthearted Tom Selleck <laughs> kind of romp, like, you know, Magnum in the Wild West. <laughs> and then they start committing acts of genocide. Yeah, horrifically. <laughs> Holy shit! <laughs> what am I watching? And I personally, I like to think that uh, that Baz Luhrmann's Australia is just a shitty remake of Quickly Down Under. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm so glad you mentioned Baz Luhrmann's Australia because that ties in really nicely with my first recommendation. So, just to quickly throw some other meat pie western titles out there. Recently, we had The Nightingale. We had Sweet Country, The Legend of Ben Hall. I can't do an episode without mentioning that. The Tracker. You know, that's what a meat pie western is. Is essentially, you know, because we're not west. In Australia? <laughs> no. So, We're very much south. That's right. So <laughs> meat pie is our spaghetti. Yeah. We don't have any other cuisine that we can lean on. Yeah. yeah. Like a damper westerns? It doesn't, have the, it doesn't have the same ring to it. Because they, did they have, did they even have meat pie? I suppose they, if they had pies, they had meat pies. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, yeah, in the American sense, do they, do they have meat pies? Because... Like they have mince pies. Well, they they but don't have pies the, like, like a dessert. Right? A, a yeah, meat yeah. pie for Gross. them, the way we have it, it's a family sized thing. It's a big deep dish meat mm. pie for us. It's a single serve. It's a fast food. It's at the at the football. You know, that's yeah. what it's something that you get at the servo. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> for, Ameri- for, for American listeners, that's a gas station. <laughs> <laughs> Whereas as can be, mate. Talking yeah. about meat pie westerns. It's, they're lucky that we're not calling it a meat pie o. <laughs> Never mind the pie floater. I don't. I don't. No, I don't no, do no, that. No, That's no. shit ass. Anyway, uh, so my favourite of all the Australian meat pie westerns. It's it's from the nineteen fifties. I forgot to write down. No, forties. I think it's nineteen forty six. And it is um, 
Fuck, what's it called? I've forgotten where I'm at. It's the, it's now, the whiskey. Now. You were too busy worrying about the date and then forgot about the No, it's the Overlanders. It's now, the Overlanders. Who's, now who's making fun of who without the mobile phone to uh, remind them of the, the salient details? So the Overlanders, which is 1946, it stars Chips Rafferty, who was like the golden boy of Australian cinema back then. But back then we made, this is where I'm trying to tie it in with Australia, we made these really, really epic sprawling westerns back then that were as good, if not better, than a lot of what was coming out of America. Like, we had big productions. Quite often, they were American productions that came to Australia. Mm. Well, the big one, like I remember, was The Sundowners with with uh, Robert Mitchum. Robert and, Mitchum. Deborah Kerr. Yep. Like, doing Australian accents. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Although, no, was he an Aussie accent? I remember one of those. Deborah years, Kerr definitely was. Because I remember one of them, he was an American in Australia, in trying Australia. to make a, make a go of it. But that was a big thing back here, because, you know, we used to have all the radio plays. Yeah. And people like Rod Taylor got their start. Even and Chips Rafferty, they did radio plays together. Yeah, but they because all the radio plays for the most part were American ones. Yeah, they all did shockingly bad. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> American accents yeah, in that's them. Right. But so the reason I'm I'm bringing Australia into it is because these are the movies that Baz Luhrmann was you know throwing homage to. He was you know being mm. nostalgic for them. And I think as as much as Australia is a movie you can make fun of easily, a lot of people misunderstood what his intention was, and that was to sort of recreate that weird. Hollywood, you know, mm. sort of Western from Australia. Like, it was a weird kind of hybrid of a movie. Anyway, Overlanders is spectacular. I've watched this many times. I think it's stunning. It's epic and, you know, as I said, sprawling and adventurous. And it's about a, a, a guy who, uh, where it, I think it's the 1920s it's set and Australia is on the cusp of war and there's the fear of the Japanese invading Darwin. And so they're told to get rid of all the cattle, like just leave them and everyone head south. And this guy's like, I'm not leaving the cattle behind. And he puts his hand up to drove them across from WA, uh, across Northern Territory, all the way to Queensland. And he takes his family and a couple of um, sort of farmhands with him. And that's the movie. Drove in cattle. It's like City Slickers, isn't it? Without yeah. the comedy. <laughs> and he's drove Through the Red Center. Through the Red Center. Kakadu <laughs> included. And so this movie is all about the trials and tribulations. They face um, the heat. They face crocodiles. They face, you know, all the elements. And it's a movie about the Australian outback, you know, Coming to get you, pretty much. But I just love everything about it because there are some scenes in here that I would say are some of the best ever shot. The I don't have you watched it recently at all, Ben? No, I did mean to uh, to make use of that fine, fine umbrella yeah. Blu-ray release. Yes, uh, which but, is glorious, by the way. But I did not. There is a great moment in the there time. where they face a river that they have to cross, and it's problematic. And how they're going to a get river across. runs through it. <laughs> yeah, and all so, the rivers run. But the way they <laughs> shoot this, it's a real big moment in the film. It goes for about half an hour. This sequence, but it really reminded me of William Friedkin's Fortress, like you know, it, a sorceress, I should say. How good would uh, <laughs> Fortress have been <laughs> Had it been directed by Sorcerer I got it wrong the second time <laughs> as well Yeah you did yeah. Yeah. Well, I, well I couldn't even think straight To like <laughs> think about what you'd said I'm like oh, That doesn't seem right yeah. When I'm this deep into the whiskey It makes sense in my head Yeah <laughs> <laughs> But that scene in the movie In the Outlanders uh, The Overlanders oh, fucking <laughs> wrong. Did I say Outlanders to begin with? I, funnily enough I was actually going to watch Outlander As a Western <laughs> as, as my Western recommendation so if anybody's like paying attention to my recommendations, not Outlander, sorry, out, uh, Outland. 
<laughs> See, we're all, oh we're all doing it. It's just Outland, isn't it? It's Ben's Outland is the <laughs> Outland yeah. is the TV series. It's a hot box of whiskey. Yeah, it in really here. is. <laughs> <laughs> been, I've, I haven't been out cl- even close to alcohol in so long <laughs> that it, it's doing it. But talking about like talking about Chips Rafferty, like I said, he was the golden boy of Australian cinema back then, and he's been described as the Aussie Gary Cooper. I find him such an unlikely hero because he was so lanky. And and not very blokey. I just I find it odd because Gary Cooper, especially when he was young, yeah. was was like very pretty. Yeah. Where I was th- thought of him more as a, the Aussie John Wayne. Yeah. Well, the, the interesting like, but, thing, but later John Wayne. And I find this about all of the Aussie um, farm agriculture western, all these movies that like you know the was it, what's the one with Jack Thompson, Longer Sunday or whatever, or I can't remember. A Sunday too far. Sunday away. too far away. That's the one. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. But what I find interesting about these blokey Aussies in these movies is they've all got high pitched voices. They're not like they're not like talking like this. They're like, mm. you know, what are you doing, mate? You know, it's like very I was gonna say, weird. don't don't forget that they're actors, right? <laughs> no, they're no, not but, actually cowboys. No, no, no. But <laughs> so, my point is that the 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 what is it, the perception of the cowboy back then and the yeah. Aussie man and the yeah, ruggedness. They're not trying to They're be, not blokey yeah. at all. But but that's you know, that's the other thing. Like don't forget that Tom Cruise is like five foot six. Like it's like they're all short. <laughs> yeah. They're all I don't, I don't make that mistake. Yeah. I don't make that mistake, yeah. but I'm saying yeah. the way we project them as opposed to the Americans, which yeah. makes me out to be rugged and yeah. heroic and that they're not. You know, in the Australian Western or the meat pie Western. Anyway, I need another drink. Um, ben, take it away. You're next. <laughs> Speaking of... Fucking hell. <laughs> Speaking of drinks, uh, I'm going to talk... My second rec- recommendation is going to be 1969's Sam Whiskey. <laughs> which is a movie that I caught on late night TV probably 20 years ago. And I only saw, I only saw a like a snippet of it. Mm-hmm. But Angie Dickinson was in it and she looked amazing. <laughs> and I've had, literally, I've bought it on... Recommendation done. <laughs> I've bought it on DVD. I've bought it on Blu-ray. I had it on tape. I had it taped off TV when it came back. Like I've, But I never actually watched it. I was like, oh, later. I'll watch it later. I'll watch it later. Well, if you haven't watched it, that means you taped it off the TV with commercials. Oh, yeah, d- definitely. If I could find the tape, it would definitely have the ads. Oh, oh yeah, no, I certainly didn't. Uh, I wasn't one of those stay up and crackpots who <laughs> like. What's the point of taping it if you're going to watch it and take out the ads to watch oh. it again later without the and ads? Then, and, then, the ads. <laughs> and then come back from an ad break and you forget to rec- press record again. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, I, had a whole I, I had a few oh, of those that my, my grandparents promised oh. they would do. Oh. And they fucking left out like the final act. Oh <laughs> yeah, that makes that. But that's, they invented. They gave you the fast forward key on the VCR, so you mm. didn't have to bother taping. But back out then, the it ads. was very much about the precision. It was about getting this perfect, you know, taped off the TV movie that you can watch as if it's from the video store yeah. yes. in glorious yes. four three. And now, yes. like thirty years later, you wish you left the commercials in because they're the best. Yes, part. absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, commercials about the swagman. Like you know, we would have that. And you know, Lobby's just, world, like, come on. Just as a uh, <laughs> hope, no one uh, important is listening. Just a little throwback <laughs> to that Ghoulies release. Those TV cuts, <laughs> I kept the ads in. Oh, yes. And they're like they're they're American TV cuts, and they've actually got like one of them. He the guy goes to like a hor- there's a horror haunt, Oof. like one of those mm-hmm. 
uh, you know, the things where you kind of walk in, there's yeah. people dressed up and they kind of, they run at you and yeah. stuff like oh, that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's the oh, whole, yeah. the whole thing. thing. And ever. he keeps, yeah. they keep, so that ad is on at every ad break of them at that horror hall, oh, like just doing different things amazing. in like, this is amazing. 90s, That just 90s increased America. the value of the fucking I love how release. he's finally spruiking yeah, this bloody release like <laughs> an hour later. It's <laughs> like <laughs> so when, when I was under pressure to do it, nah, fuck no. you, Glenn. You but now I want to talk about it. You threw me under the bus <laughs> I wasn't, wasn't prepared at all. Like you're you're sitting there all uh, pretty with your written script, so you know exactly yeah. what's coming with everything. Yeah. There's no surprises for most Glennie people boy. that have children. Will happily talk about them yeah. and you know and talk them up. No, no. <laughs> I'm. You know, you know that I'm gay for pay, Glenn. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it wasn't one of my children. So we're gonna we're gonna talk about this uh, movie? but so Sam Whiskey. Uh, it stars Burt Reynolds. It's a, it is a comedy western, yeah. and I know that I I'm pretty sure that I've said it on the show, if not on the show, off the show. I've talked about my general dislike for Burt Reynolds. You have, especially yeah, in comedies. I've, I've heard it. So yeah. And <laughs> the funny thing is, I feel that I feel that way until I watch the tide's the turning, film. mate. You're, like, you're starting to become a fan. Yeah. Then I watch the film, and I'm like, he is he is really good, <laughs> and he like the, the but the best thing about I think it's more his. Appearances on talk shows that make me not like yeah, him. It's the personality. But he <laughs> takes the piss out of himself in all of these movies. Yeah, and it's and like and like Dom DeLuise. <laughs> We've had that his, conversation. His stuff with Dom DeLuise, like I just don't like it. I but love it. maybe I'm I'll go it. back and watch the the Cannibal <laughs> Run films and uh, <laughs> give them another go. <laughs> but uh, but basically, in this film, uh, he's Sam Whiskey, who's kind of like a he's like a hired troubleshooter kind of guy. Mm-hmm. And he gets he gets hired by Angie Dickinson to recover uh, sunken gold that her hus- her her dead husband stole from the the north during this during the civil war. Mm-hmm. And uh, she wants to she wants him to recover it, return it to I think Fort Knox without them knowing because they they still don't know that it's been stolen. And so she wants to secretly. So he has he has to recover this gold uh, that's in the middle of this river, and then break into Fort Knox, return the gold without anyone knowing, and then and escape. And of course he says no. And there's this great bit where she comes up to he comes up to her hotel room. She tells him what she wants, and as she's telling him, he's saying no way. There's no way I'm doing. It. She kind of closes the door, and the next scene they're in bed together, and he's like. Well, <laughs> and throughout the whole, it's like a joke that goes throughout the whole film. Every time he tries to say no, she sleeps with him, and he's like, oh, "Maybe I'll do it." <laughs> it's, it's it, it is it is quite funny, and he's got along for the ride. He's got Clint Walker, who is one of my all time favorite uh, big men actors. He's the he's uh, Posey from the Dirty Dozen. Uh, if you're trying to think of who Clint Walker is, and um, Ozzy Davis. And Ozzie Davis plays like this blacksmith, and both of them at the start, at the kind of the introduction to the Ozzie Davis character, Burt Reynolds arrives in town where he's going to meet Angie Dickinson, and he wants to have a bath before, uh, before the meeting. Yeah. And Ozzie Davis has the, like it's all on a, like this booking system, and Ozzie Davis has reserved his spot in this bath for like a week, and it's the it's a, and obviously they're not changing the water between every person who uses the bath in, in the old west. So he's and he's got the first bath, and he's he's there getting ready. And so 
uh, Burt Reynolds in his, all, in his cocky glory kind of comes in and goes, I'd pay you a dollar. To, to, and the bath costs 10 cents. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He goes, I'll give you a dollar. Let me have the first uh, bath. And he's like, nope. He's like, uh, and then he kind of jokes and just like he goes, "Oh, you're the blacksmith. Oh, this is great. How about you know? How about two dollars and I have the first bath? And he goes, nope. <laughs> He's like, "How about ten dollars and I have the first bath? Nope. He goes, how about I just uh, beat you up and then take the first bath? <laughs> <laughs> He's like, "Well, you know, if you want to give it a try, that's." A... And Ozzy Davis proceeds to literally beat <laughs> Burt Reynolds around the saloon, and it is like a, a hilarious. Hilarious kind of slapstick yep. fight scene with Burt Reynolds constantly just being surprised. Like <laughs> yeah. before he knows it, he's on his ass. Yeah. And he kind of gets up and he's like, you know, if you, and he picks up like a, like a metal kind of thing. And he's like, if you hit me with that, I'm going to be very upset. And he's like, oh. and he kind of, <laughs> he still does it. And of course it doesn't work out for him. It's great. <laughs> and then, and then the same, th- the same thing kind of happens with Clint Walker, who is like, you know, you think, you watch Deliverance and you think Burt Reynolds, because Burt Reynolds is kind of like the the, the actual sporty, yep. tall, kind of muscular guy, even longest yard, all that kind of stuff. In Mystery Alaska, he like he towers over everyone else yeah. in that film. Compared to Clint Walker, he looks like he looks like <laughs> a little kid. It's and Aussie Davis. You know, without a shirt on, he looks like he's covered in pelts. If you want to talk about the Wild West, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I've not seen this film. Um, it is great, and it also it's like it's filled with a kind of a cast of great uh, character actors like uh, William Shallot and uh, Woodrow Palfrey, and oh, my favourite Anthony James, who's usually like he's the um, I don't want to spoil anything for anyone. But <laughs> you, he's the he's the the um, the diner. I think he's the guy who works in the diner in 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 the heat of the night. All right, I don't who, remember that. You know, I remember the film, but I don't remember that. Very uh, su- surprisingly entertaining, and uh, you know, hopefully, I can convince someone to release it on Blu-ray locally that'd or be DVD because I don't know if it's actually had a local DVD release. Well, that'd be amazing. Uh, but it's definitely worth checking out. I it's probably on. I think it. I think it's on a streaming platform locally. I think. In my head, and I could be wrong. It was one of those Warner. Uh, you know, on demand, the Warner Archive mm-hmm. uh, releases that brought it out. So if it's Warner, then there's a fat chance that uh, it'll be available locally because Warner suck it uh, <laughs> when it comes to releasing uh, m- the majority of things from their catalogue. Good Movie Monday is made possible with the support of people like Viewlorium. Viewlorium is a streaming platform for rare and obscure movies and it's absolutely free. They also have a catalogue full of kids' flicks, classic movies, foreign cinema, and more. Visit Viewlorium.com today to see what it's all about. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to clock my second re- recommendation up as a, a quick nod. I'm not going to really spend a lot of time on this one, just to keep the show running, you know? Like, people don't want to hear me go on and on and on. Don't they? No. Oh. <laughs> the whole reason that this yeah. show was... To hear you go, go on, on and on and on and on, on, and, on, on. and on and rambling. Well, I mean, if they're, if they're not, I'm, they've I'm, made a horrible mistake. Might be because I, I've <laughs> yeah. lost my bearings. Ah. <laughs> oh, the truth <laughs> comes <laughs> out. <laughs> he can't handle his whiskey. <laughs> we all know Says what, me. Who can we all know what happened last time I drank on the show. <laughs> Either I make it a, a weekly thing or I don't do it at all. Yeah, do I need to check the recording before it comes out this t- this week? <laughs> no. <laughs> send, yeah, send, send us a, a preview. What's the length of it? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that seems a bit short. I think you might be missing something there. <laughs> Am I the bad influence? Maybe I'm the bad influence. <laughs> so the old... um. 
The old Overlander, you know, meat pie western thing got me really in the mood for Aussie westerns this week. So my second one is another one. Uh, one that I, I think is a banger. It's, um, you'll know what it is straight away. Based on the Banjo Patterson poem of the same name, The Man from Snowy River. I'm going to just throw out number one and two as one recommendation, 1982 and 1988. It's pure melodrama. Like it is, you know, mm. really, really sort of soap opera-ish, but a lot of heart, a lot of substance. And like banger soundtrack, the score for it is iconic. The imagery from it's iconic. Um, all shot in Victoria's high country, all about a young countryman who captures and tames wild brumbies and falls in love with a rancher's daughter. But Kirk Douglas was in the first one in two roles. He played the twin brothers. One was a like a uh, disheveled prospector and the other one was the, the wealthy American um, rancher. Like Lee Marvin in Cat Baloo. <laughs> yeah, well, I reckon that was a throwback, to be honest with you. <laughs> um, and then Brian Dennehy replaces him in part two, which it's the strangest recasting ever. Like, they, the two guys have never looked more uh, unalike. But I will not stand here and listen to anyone badmouth anything that Brian Dennehy has No, because doing. he's still good in it. He just has a different... He imp- just, oh, he's yeah. totally different. To he t- has a very Dennehy. imposing figure, but he's not like the asshole that... Kurt Douglas was. And he also looks like he ate Kurt Douglas as a snack. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> that, that's where the difference yeah. comes in. Like, it's, you got from skinny to really yeah. bulky. I mean, I love tough guys, but if Brian Dennehy <laughs> was the guy they were going up against, like Charlton Heston maybe had a yeah. chance. Kurt Douglas, no. <laughs> I don't care how fit that's he is. A, that's a movie I revisited recently, and that did not age well. No. Like, socially speaking. No, no, no. no. <laughs> but anyway, yeah. Well, the, if, if ageism is a thing. <laughs> then uh, it does okay, but otherwise... <laughs> but The Man from Snowy River, I reckon it deserves a revisit. I, I think it's one of the great Australian films, you know. I like the sequel, but the I first like the one TV is... the series too. That's the thing. It did spawn, not only that, an arena spectacular. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> amazing. But um, I don't know what it is about it. The Disney released part two in America as Return to Snowy River, so a lot of people over there that are listening might know that. A lot of people over there know part two, but not part one, so... Yeah, right. Mm. Yeah. But it also, it made Tom Burlington a star... Well, I should talk about that. And yeah. allowed him to make Time Guardian, for That's which I'm right. eternally grateful. Tom Burlington, Sigrid Thornton. I think Sigrid Thornton was already sort of a pretty household done, like, name. Snapshot and stuff. Yeah, that's then. right. Um, sea so. change. She doesn't see change. By the <laughs> and of course, and, and, and when all else fails, when all else fails, get Jack Thompson in there. You know. Yeah. Can't go you wrong. Can't, yeah. Well, it's almost it was it's almost a rule, not quite. Yeah. That you can't have you can't make an Australian film without Jack Thompson. Yeah. <laughs> Somewhere. That's right. It's almost a rule. But I do love The Man from Snow River. One interesting thing, if you're a tourist of any kind, even a local tourist, the hut that they shot it on up in the Alpine region is still there. Although it did burn down in the the bushfires 10 years ago and they rebuilt it. Mm. It's not the same when they rebuilt it, is it? It's not. It's not. But you can go and visit where they filmed and it still looks the same as it did in the film. It's just lucky that it didn't fall onto, uh, what was his name, Stuart Diver. Oh. <laughs> because the Alpine, yeah. uh, what was, where was different, where different, Alpine different, different Alpine region. <laughs> Completely. We're not talking snow slopes here. We're just talking yeah. Alpine region. Anyway, Manfred Snow River, I've said it like five times now. Mousy, <coughs> over to you. Over to me. What, what was right. the name of the film again, Glenn? Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, you know what, Mousy, before we do, let's talk about some horror westerns. I promised that at the start of the show. Let's do it. Um, let's talk about some good ones. So Bone Tomahawk's a recent oh, great yeah. one. The, um, the, the double spot. Oh, Sonny, yeah. Production. Production, yeah, with Kurt. I think that was the movie that, that Kurt Russell actually grew his uh, beard for, and which has now it. become yeah. Like, yeah. A, like a trademark. Because he, he had just come off it when he did Hateful Eight, and Tarantino was like, keep it. Like, yeah. <laughs> keep that beard. Yeah. That's right. Ravenous is one you love, Ben? 
I do love it. And that is like the straight version of Cannibal the Musical. Yeah. Yeah. Yep, yep. <laughs> Even though it's not, not so straight. Yeah. I, I found a really interesting one called um, Mohawk on Shudder, which is a ah. sort of a recent one. That yeah. released that's and it's, uh, Ted Gahagan's yeah, movie. Yeah. The guy who wrote uh, We Are in, what's that? What, the house one with Barbara Crampton and uh, oh, um, We Are Still Here, We Are in the yeah, House or whatever yeah, we, it was. We are still here. Yeah. Like that? I started watching it the other night. I got maybe half an hour into it and I got sleepy for just being exhausted and I'm going to come back to it because it was quite good. Yeah. Uh, should I Should I dare say From Dust to Dawn 3 and Tremors 4? Because they are... <laughs> they are Westerns. They are yeah. Westerns and I mm-hmm. like them a lot. An Aussie one would be In of the Dam. Yes. That's yes, In of the Dam. Banger. There's lots of boobs in that one. And there's things like uh, ghost, ghost Riders. Yep. And uh, Sundown, the town that... Uh, yeah, the town that dreaded Sundown. Dreaded Sundown. What's the one with Bruce Campbell the, where where's the vampire? He goes to the town and all the vampires are wearing sunscreen and stuff. That's a Western. It is. It is. Can't think of that. Um, well, he was in Dust of Dawn 2 as well, so that's a vampire one. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God, what is it? It's on the tip of my and, and good friend Albert Pune in 2007 made one called Left for Dead, which was a horror Western, which is... Over there? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> over, over yonder? <laughs> uh, and arguably, like, it, it's not on um, on the surface it doesn't look like a horror, but I would almost class High Plains Drifter with Clint Eastwood as a horror because it's been argued by a lot of historians, like cinematic historians, that it he's, he's undead. He's, like, mm-hmm. not a human he's character. He's a vengeful spirit. Yeah, That's exactly. why he paints the town red. Well, yeah, but uh, in the, in the film, it's, it's sort of a, it's it's very sort of it's not actually implied that way. It's sort of yeah. it's, it's left to you to sort of talk yeah, about yeah. afterwards and and come to that conclusion. Um, anyway, there we go. I wanted to get the horror stuff in because you're on the show. I was going to say, what about the greatest? And it's not really a movie, but it almost is. But Undead Red Revolver, the game. The have you guys played this? No. I know it. I, I haven't, haven't played but it. I know ever. it. Yeah. yeah, it is terrifying. Like yeah. it, it's like it's like the first time I played Silent Hill, and I. Like I played it like at midnight where and the house was silent, no lights on except for the TV, and that movie the game freaked me the fuck out. <laughs> Undead Red Revolver did the same thing. Yeah. Like you start off and it's it's to a degree, it's like playing um uh, Re- uh Resident Evil. Yeah. Where you start off with you've got the gun, but you've got like three bullets and you blow those immediately and then you're just fucked for the rest of the game. Yeah, right. And this one, you've got like a six shooter. You shoot the zombies. Of course, it doesn't... Like, you're riding around on a horse as fast as you can because they're tearing you apart. Everything's on fire. It's the dead of night. The zombies are everywhere. It is... The only, the only thing I know about those games is they've got cool covers. So, I really want to play video games. <laughs> like, just randomly. I really feel like, like I love it, but I'm kind of stuck back in the Nintendo days <laughs> where I fucking clocked the Flintstones game. You get, it's the Jetsons level yeah. at the end and I clocked that. And so I must've been kind this of okay back then, but uh, I really, really want to, but I'm now taking my son, my nearly four year old son to time zone and he's and he beats me on nearly everything. Well, I mean, <laughs> but I fucking love it. And but we're not getting that many points up because I think because I'm really shit. You're we're showing <laughs> your age because like you want a game with a cartridge like I do. Like that's you know that's your Have era. You played like House of the Dead. No, I haven't played. Like, no, I, mean, I haven't played any. And Adam, who is one of the co-organizers of the Melbourne Horror Film Society, he did invite me over. He was like, if you want to come and play the Evil Dead game. Because they're starting to realise how much I I really want to, but I think I'm really shit. But I'm I'm really I would 
I'm that, very excited about it. Still, games night at my place in but, my lounge room. Yeah. I mean, being shit at those games is a rite of passage. Like, yeah. it's only something that you can do when you're older. Like, yeah. I, I play Fortnite a lot now, <laughs> and. It is amazing how quickly I get killed by the 12-year-olds. <laughs> well, look, Malzi, like, I never... Not the 4-year-olds, but the 12-year-olds. No, well, I've still got a little way yeah. to go, but yeah. Well, the 4-year-olds the are just... They, they spend a lot of time just doing the dance moves and stuff. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. And getting the, getting the grey guns. They, they're just happy to be there. <laughs> yeah. But the 12-year-olds are... Like, like they're on a mission, and they're quite rude on the chat. Oh. When they detect that you're... Uh, <laughs> An old man. Well, that get me angry. Yeah, over the age of well, 15. Well, I never got beyond the 64, Nintendo 64, and yeah. I have to cover packs later in the year, so yeah, wish right. me luck for well, that. Well, I yeah. never even got up to the 64. I was just on the, I was on the original Nintendo. That too. So, that's my preference. Yeah. All right, your final recommendation. Okay, so back to my final recommendation. So after that whole segue into um, horror westerns, I'm actually not even doing a horror. <laughs> <laughs> but I was, I was lent a DVD many years ago by a friend that I did my master's with and also comes to the Horror Society and she lent me a DVD and it unsurprisingly has sat in my cupboard all of these years. Never give it a back. And when <laughs> and it's been sitting there like over my shoulder going you never watch anything, you should watch me and so when this came up I'm just like oh I don't know what I'll do. Oh, oh I fucking need to do that DVD that's been sitting in my... So finally last night I got around to it and you know I, it's, it's a classic and she told me how amazing it is and she was Everyone is absolutely right. So it's 1996's Lone Star. Yeah. Um, yeah, right. John Sales, yeah? John, John Sales. Sales. This movie was ruined for me by Luan. <laughs> if you're listening, Luan. <laughs> this is, I mean, I know that maybe I ruined TV shows for people, but they're TV shows. You can't really ruin the late show <laughs> sketch. You can't ruin. Uh, and he told me the twist oh, and it ruined the movie. And well, it's still. Every time I go to revisit, I'm like, now I know oh, the twist. I still know the two, twist. Two weeks in a row, John Sales is getting a bit of a uh, run for his money on this show. <laughs> so it's a neo-Western, so it has a contemporary setting. And, oh, my God, I loved it so much. It has an amazing cast. So Chris Cooper, so American Beauty that we mentioned earlier. <laughs> uh, he's the main guy. He plays the current sheriff of a small border town in Texas. It's got Elizabeth Pena. Uh, Matthew McConaughey plays Chris Cooper's dad in Flashbacks. Chris Christopherson plays a deplorable former town sheriff, also in the flashbacks. A young Chandra Wilson. Francis McDormand makes a pretty funny appearance as Chris Cooper's ex. And you pretty much know all the faces that appear yeah. in it from various things. Uh, the film has a mystery. <laughs> which <laughs> ben knows all about. We won't spoil for, me. for you. <laughs> well, not so much the mystery. That wasn't what he yeah, ruined. that's true. It's that's the other... actually not the main... Yeah, yeah. it's yeah. the other twist. Yeah, yeah. So Interesting it notes, down, Which don't even spoil after we're off the mic because I've seen the film a few oh, times, but, but you I've can't remember. That. That's yeah, right. I love yeah. that. That's that's me all the time, yeah. which is kind of sucks because I am like, yeah, I know I've seen that, but I can't remember it'll anything. Click. But, but but I can like rewatch stuff and be like, oh, yeah. it'll, cl it'll click before I get again. there. It'll click before I it's get like there. The yeah, one, yeah, it's, yeah. Funnily enough, it's the only thing I remember about the film. Yeah, <laughs> just that one. Because you were so angry about it. Because I love John Sutter, because I was a big fan of Maitwan. I really loved um, uh, Passion Fish. Yep. And uh, uh, what was the other one that he did around that time? I can't even remember the name yep. of it. But I, yeah, Limbo I loved as well. Oh, that's my favourite. Um, yep. You know, like all those Brother from Another Planet. Was that his one? He did one of those ones. 
going right back to Piranha Sokorka and Howling, Seven and Alligator. Yeah. I'm just you know, the ones he directed, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah. <laughs> okay, so <laughs> <laughs> <We> done? <laughs> you're done, Ben. <laughs> all I wanted to do was de- derail Glenn's, but it was so short. <laughs> I just had all this the derailing in me. I had to get it out somewhere. Fair enough. I just no, I accidentally. It's fair. It's it, fair. I, I shot the derailment all over you. I'm sorry. <laughs> I misfired. Yeah. Okay, so it starts out with two people searching for old bullet casings in an old shooting range, and they discover a human skull along with a Rio Sheriff's badge in the desert. They call Chris Cooper out to, you know, have a look. There's a lot of race stuff in it. So Texas and Mexican history and current dynamics between the cultures. A lot of family stuff. Children trying to live up to their parents. A lot of pressure. And something kind of random that stands out is how, just how amazing the transitions are between the current time and the flashbacks. Like the camera will pan and then seamlessly go into like, you know, back in time or forward. And yeah, it's really quite captivating. Um, the story's so rich, there are quite a lot of narratives, as we've said, like you've got mm. twists and other twists and twists and, um, stories within stories, story, yep. so A, B, C yep. and D subplots. Yep. So there's <laughs> quite a lot of narratives going on and they all end up fitting perfectly together to tell the full story and for so many arcs to come full circle. So what, what, it's what happens in the end? Amazing. <laughs> Which twist would you like me to give away? No, it's, it's. Well, I'm this drunk, it's always a nipple I'm, twist. I'm so glad. It's actually, they've dug up the. JFK's body. That's what it is. <laughs> that's so what came to mind. It's the man who killed JFK. <laughs> yeah. But so yeah, so I'm so glad after all of these that's years right. that I finally had the reason, the the push to finally watch it because cool. it was friggin' it was awesome. Well, I mean, I'm glad somebody picked a neo western for sure. Yeah. So that's it. It's your recommendation. That's my recommendation. Oh no, actually, no, it wasn't. There's another one. <laughs> <laughs> You're just joking, mate. Yeah, yeah, I'm just joking. Yeah. <laughs> I just never know when I'm going to talk about the borrowers. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we're pretty much almost at the end of the show. So this is where we do that little bit of uh, (laughs) pointless trivia. I can't wait for this one. You two fucking love. I'm usually so bad at the horror ones. Yeah, well, that's it. In keeping in line with today's theme, we're going to do Western trivia. So I'll go first and um, fire one off at you. So, are you ready? (laughs) Certainly. Before making Django Unchained... Quentin Tarantino made a cameo in which previous Django movie? Uh, Sukiyaki Western Django. Yes. Yeah, Sukiyaki Western. Which is the Takashi Miki or Mikey. I saw that at Miff and I was bored to tears. It's not great. Oh, really? Tarantino is fucking atrocious. Oh, really? If If you thought he was bad at the end of his. Django, yeah. yeah, he was pretty bad in this yeah, one. Yeah, right. I like the style of this, but it's definitely style over substance. It's yeah. a pretty, uh, it's a pretty nothing film. I mean, Takeshi Miike is hit and miss. He is, and that's because I mean, yeah. I mean, he does make two hundred films a year. I was yeah, about to say, yeah, 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 he's yeah. prolific in the output, but um, yeah. you've got yeah. to have a lot. Of, like your misses are going to be pretty bad. Yeah, but a bit of extra trivia for you there is that there've been twenty five Django movies in total. Mm. And there a lot go. of them aren't even Django movies. No, like there's not even a Django character. Yeah. Django. I think officially right. there's three. Django, oh. actual Django, Django movies. That there you relate. go. Take that to the water cooler tomorrow. Oh, does, that thanks, include, thanks, does that include uh, Tarantino's? <laughs> Getting fucking sledge from my drink, buddy, here. No, I liked it. Oh, did you? No, yeah. Okay, well. I, I think I... you should. I mean, I think people should. Good, so do I. Yeah. <laughs> ben, go. <laughs> <laughs> I can't tell, take an insult from a compliment at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> Too drunk. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm going to look up. I was going to tie my question into... Uh, Marion. 
Into Sam whiskey. Yeah. <laughs> no, okay. into Sam whiskey. Uh, but I'm, I'll take it easy. On, I'm take it take it easy on you guys. Oh, uh, so James Garner. How patronising. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. James Garner starred in the TV series Maverick. And he also starred in the reboot movie with Mel Gibson. Name three, any three other cast <laughs> members in Maverick, the f- movie. Okay, so. I don't know. <laughs> and we can't do Mel Gibson. You can't do Mel Gibson. Okay, Renee Russo. No. What, we can't do Renee Russell? She's not in She's it. She's not in it. Isn't she? <laughs> no. Could have sworn she was in it. <laughs> no, you've already failed. Uh, well, this is, I'd rather you make them really difficult, so I didn't look no, I'm trying so to think dumb of that I don't know like the really I'm, obvious I'm, ones. I've got the poster in my fucking head. Who's sitting with him? It's Jodie Foster. <laughs> Jodie Foster. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Renee Russell would have been better. It would have been great in it. <laughs> yeah. Jodie Foster That's is pretty good. And Richard, Richard Donner's cousin would have been in there. He's, he's got to be in the film. He's, he's the chief from Lethal Weapon. <laughs> and he's in Warlock 2. He plays one of the druids. Maybe. He's in every Richard Donner film um, from a certain point onwards. Yeah. He's not one of the... Like the, at the end, with the gamblers, there's a lot of famous faces. So let's just say there. that's a yes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's some And the chick that plays the psychiatrist or psychologist from Lethal Weapon, she's got to be in there. She no, was the mum from the Goonies. Uh, Look, I don't think so. Oh. They, 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 <laughs> I think they'd already that been... The person that was from that, they've got to be in I there. I think they'd already well, divorced I'm just going for stage. the Richard Donner staples here. <laughs> yeah. so James Coburn. Yes. There's, uh, I've got to admit, I don't like Maverick. Really? Neither I the TV it. show or the movie. I can't remember his name. I can't think... I can never always have trouble thinking of his name, but who's the guy who played Dr. Octopus? Um, oh, Alfred Molina. Alfred yeah, Molina Alfred is Molina. like... Is Angel, one of the bad guys in it. Um... Who else pops up in there? Uh, Uncle Jesse from uh, the Dukes of Hazard turns up. Oh, not from Full House. Not from Full House. <laughs> no. Uh, but, ja- but I said James Coburn, didn't I? He's one of the main. Graham right. Green. Oh, of course. Turns up. Paul um, Paul Smith from Pieces is in it. Yeah, 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 yeah. And don't, he's, don't you know that, Melzi? No, don't you know I that? don't know. <laughs> that. He's, I know like, he's great. He's like he plays like a. I hope it's him. I don't want to be proved wrong. No, on the I internet. think that does I think it is him. Fell when I but was he's researching, like, he's this, he plays a rich Russian who uh, wants to dangerous game style kill an Indian, but he doesn't want to take <laughs> any actual risks. So they <laughs> Maverick pretends to be dresses up as an Indian. Just for you, I'm going to revisit Maverick. I really like it. I think it's a yeah. great film. I just I don't know. Never never like that. There's a there's a short period of time where Richard Donner films didn't do anything for me. See, the thing is, I never thought of it as a Richard Donner film. Yeah, it was right. just like because I love Maverick the TV series. I think when it came out, I was obsessed with directors. So to me, everything was associated <laughs> was with, with who made it. And that back then, he did like The Assassin and fucking Conspiracy Theory came after that, and I just wasn't into all that. Yeah, I remember liking Conspiracy Theory, but not liking it enough. To ever watch it again, <laughs> I was just like, "Oh, Patrick Stewart's the bad guy. Okay, he's got a broken <laughs> nose. All right, never need to see this again." Mousy. Which movie did John Wayne win an acting Oscar for? Ooh, uh, The Searchers. <laughs> no. She wore a yellow ribbon. Hondo. No. Nope. Uh, oh, hang on. Um, it's the one. Uh, <laughs> I'm just throwing. That was redone. Yeah, that was yeah. Remade. True Grit. Yeah, I knew you were onto it as soon as you went. Oh, hang on. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, it's the one with yeah. <laughs> yeah. Rooster Cogburn is the sequel to it. That's yeah. a um, with that, 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 that's a remake. That's no, better with than the, better than the original. It's a great remake. Yeah. Mm. <clears throat> oh, I like, well, the original's pretty good. It is good. I just like. The He's original. got two. But I I remember <laughs> seeing the re- the remake and going, "There's no way that the 
the young character is called Labeef. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it yeah. totally yeah. is. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Labeef! <laughs> like yeah. Matt the Matt Damon character. <laughs> All right, so Paul Newman and Robert Redford played Butch Cassidy in The Sundance Kid. Which actors played their roles in Butch yeah. and Sundance the early years, which was the prequel story? And they look real. Is Daniel Roebuck one of them? No. They look really alike. They, they yeah. actually really works. I just. I, I can't. Know. I kind of. I reckon, like, I mean, we haven't probably got the time, but if you were to sort of sit there and brainstorm in your own mind for a minute, you'd probably come up with these two. Yeah. I remember. I've seen. I've, se- I've got the poster in my head, but I, yep. I, I couldn't tell you. That. I no no idea. <laughs> Tom Berenger played Butch, and William Cat played Sundance. Yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah, no. And I, I attempted That's not who I'm thinking of. I attempted to watch that um last week in preparation for the show and it's 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 that it's, bad. it's that bad. Is it? Yeah. Is there was there a And this is the kind of shit I love like usually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Is there yeah, a TV series? It. Well, it was a made for TV movie. Um uh, I don't think it was even like a pilot sort of window into a show. I think it was a, just a made for TV movie that screened for, you know, 90 minutes on a Saturday night or something like that. Mm. Anyway, there we go. So, Ben you're up next. I didn't realize, you know, Sam Shepard played him in um, Blackthorn. All right, that was a, that was a, a like a an aging Butch Cassidy. How can you be aging when they both die? I mean, <laughs> it's the yeah. Young Guns two thing again. You know, fucking brushy Bob comes out of nowhere and tells another story. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, a, I'm sure there's another one where it's someone else. Where yeah, this there was is a one I was thinking of. There was a High Noon two, which um, I think Robert Ehrlich played um, the Gary Cooper character. Um, Anyway, your turn. All right. This is great. <laughs> love it when uh, this is fantastic. I, I love this question. <laughs> that only I, I hate would. it already. <laughs> I hate it. <laughs> Richard Boone. This is a Richard Boone question. Richard Boone has played a series of bad guys in Amazing Westerns, including Big Jake with uh, John Wayne and Hombre with uh, Paul Newman. But he got famous for playing... This, in a Western TV series, and I want the name of the Western TV series. And the, and and the five main characters. It's famous for, it's, <laughs> it's most famous question. for its awesome theme song, which was called Paladin. No, oh. the theme song was, was Paladin. This is what I also discovered prepping for this show. Is there were so many Western TV shows back in the day. Yes. Bonanza, yes. Royal Hives. Yes. Bonanza? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Was it yeah. Bonanza? No, it's, no. I have no idea. He's I can't no. even put his, his face in my head right now. Richard Boone. No. He's uh, also in the like the night coma, the night comas. Yeah, no, nah, just the name's not coming to me, and the face is no. not coming. To me. I'm sure I would know who he is, but no, nah. I, I know the name, but it's uh, have gun will travel. Can't believe I didn't get that. It was, it was right son. there. It, it was. was right there. Oh, well, if you just gave me like twenty seconds, extra. you guys knew this was going to be. Like about westerns, right? I thought you would have watched a couple of them. <laughs> You've got to play to our strengths, Ben. If, yeah, sorry, I should ask. Well, that's, I thought the last, I thought the Maverick yeah, question know, was the like, easy one. I, I know, was there. I know. Like, at least that's a like, modern one. Um, what is, no, <laughs> name a western. <laughs> my other question, yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, my other question was going to be Clint Walker, star of Sam Whiskey, starred as the lead in which western TV series? What's his western TV series? You never would have got that either. <laughs> no, guaranteed. What was it? It's Cheyenne. He's Cheyenne in Cheyenne. Mm, good. All right. Nelsie? <laughs> All right. <laughs> which, which Rat Packer 
starred in Rio Bravo. Ian Martin. See, look, that's an easy, easy, one. Yeah. easy. Yeah. And but who's who played his part in the other, in the original, oh, in the, the movie that there was a remake of? Well, basically the same story. There's like the Howard Hawks and the John Ford version kind of thing, or whatever it was. Was it? A, it wasn't the same title though, was it? In the so. It's well. It's like Rio Bravo, Rio Lobo, and yeah. but I thought Howard Hawks made yeah. all those together. Like he made all those. Yeah, yeah. But there's one. But in so in that one, it's John Wayne, Dean Martin, and Ricky, R- Ricky Nelson. Nelson, yeah. And then in the other one, it's James Khan is yeah. the young kid, the Ricky Nelson part, and yeah. John Wayne. Okay. Angie Dickinson is the the love interest <laughs> in one of them, uh, and the other guy is. Anyone? Okay, no. I think we can officially announce Robert, that Ben Robert Mitchum deserves a free water at the next Melbourne Horror <laughs> Film Society fucking screening because he definitely won the freaking Western trivia. All right. <laughs> I think I only got one. Only got one of them, <laughs> and you let me have the second one. You knew it. I guess that's our cue to mosey on out of here. Partner. Yeah. Partner. <laughs> It's been a fun show. Thanks for being here, Mel. Or should I say, a little lady? Yeah. <laughs> I love that little lady. <laughs> I think another round of drinks is in order. Why not? No shilly shallying, no dilly dilly. Next round's on <laughs> you, Ben. But now, yep. Actually, no, the Milky Bars are on the you. Milky Bars are on <laughs> me. Bars are on you. <laughs> on my person. <laughs> Lick them off. Lick them off. <laughs> in, this, in this hot room, they've yeah. got a bit melty. <laughs> So get those tongues around. <laughs> oh, shit. Thank you to the other guys, Jarrett, Guillermo, the Boneheads, Joe, Chad, and James. And thanks to everybody for listening. They should rename this. Sh- in, in the honor of this, Yep, the, they should be the Kentuckians. They should, it should be the Kentuckians. Yes. That should be the name of the show. Boneheads, the you should rename your show. The Kentuckians. <laughs> <laughs> With the, the intro and outro gunshots. Yeah. <laughs> no? Okay. <laughs> Thank you for Cheap listening, up. everybody. <laughs> Our sign-off song this week is uh, a Ben favourite, I Want to Be a Cowboy by Boys Don't Cry. And, um, yeah, we'll see you all on the social medias. You can be week. my cowgirl, Glenn. <laughs> Any day of the week. <laughs>